Now again, uh, today I've given out a handout of what our topic's going to be about today. So it's page one, two and three, if you've hopefully got those pages. And we're not going to be able to cover all the material that I've listed in this, and quite often this uh, discussion I break into two different discussions. But uh, I do want to cover some of the material on the qualities of truth, just so that you can, and also give you the chance to read through the other ones at your own time, so that you can start recognising what the qualities of God's truth are compared to what the qualities of our truth are all about. So the subject today is qualities of divine truth. And uh, by divine truth, I'm talking about the qualities of God's truth compared to, or different, which is different to, the qualities of what's happening within yourself, in your own truth. So we don't want to confuse those two truths, if you like. But uh, before we get started, we'll uh, talk about a few little things first. One is that I would like, if possible, that uh, some of these qualities of truth, when we come to some examples, if you have an example in your own life that sort of matches the example that I've mentioned in the quality of truth that we're discussing, if you could consider coming and sitting up next to me and discussing it with us um, in terms of how it's affected your life and so forth. So if you could consider doing that. All of you who are a bit shy about that, well, that's just an emotion, right? And, uh, and it needs to be triggered somehow. So this is a good forum in which to do that, where everyone's a bit more accepting than maybe listening to your truth outside of this kind of a forum. And today also I want to focus more on the emotions as well with regard to truth. So that'll be a part of our discussion today. And there are quite a number who weren't here yesterday, were there? How many, how many haven't weren't here yesterday? Okay, so good half, a bit over half. Yesterday the topic was fear is your friend. And if I, we may still have some leftover handouts if you want to take one of those with you as well. The reason why I mention that is because yesterday's discussion and today's discussion are sort of opposite sides of the same coin. And one is focusing on the area of fear and how it affects our life, whereas this other one is focusing on the area of truth. One of the things I said yesterday, which is very important in your own progression, is one of the, you will need to release the errors within you emotionally. But you will also need to come and accept God's truths emotionally as well. So yesterday we were talking about how to connect to these errors that we have within ourselves emotionally. And today I wanted to focus more on how to start connecting with the truths that are there, available to you, that will trigger you emotionally if you live them. And so we can often focus on truth and then everything changes in our life. Once you set your intention for truth. And how many of you have experienced that, where you've set your intention for truth and all of a sudden got hammered with it? <laughs> All right, quite a few already, so that's really good. So the key is to come and be and love truth as much as yesterday we talked about embracing or coming to see fear as, as your friend as well. But today we want to talk about your desire or passion for truth and how that affects you actually getting truth in your life as well. And so I've said before that if you seek first the truth, if you keep on knocking for truth, it will be opened to you. Everything will be open to you. But only if you keep on knocking. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that it's only going to come to you if you keep on knocking and keep on asking? Yeah? Because you have to have a desire. Exactly. It's the law of desire that, ac that accesses the truth. Many of us 
don't really want to know the truth yet. And in particular, don't want to know the truth yet about our own lives. And in particular, the experience, the emotions of that truth once we know it. So we shut down ourselves. So who of you believes that it's actually good to tell white lies? Be honest. Yeah. Be honest. There's a, there's a lot more who feel that, right? Yeah. Or, or you feel actually there's no such thing as black and white truth. And in fact, you'd prefer there'd be no such thing as black and white truth. There's just all these shades of grey. Yeah, a lot of people for that. I had one fellow say to me, there's a thousand and twenty-four shades of grey that the eye can see, and he feels the truth is the same way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, uh, that happened when I was very young, he said that actually. And it struck me of how disillusioned this man was with truth. And uh, I've had many conversations with people about the truth being black and white. And the instant I've said that, that God's truth is black and white, that it is absolute God's truth, it's either a yes or a no answer in almost every case with God's truth, then well, as soon as I've said that, I've had people have major reactions emotionally. And why is that, do you think? Truth hurts. They feel threatened that their truth isn't God's truth. And straight away, as soon as you feel threatened, what do you want to do? Protect the castle that you built for yourself, right? And if you want to come to God, protecting the castle is going to be the last thing that you'll want to do in the end. Now, we all start off wanting to protect ourselves. When the, in the first century, when I, uh, just before my death, I had a conversation with Pilate. Um, some of you would realise that if you come from a Bible background, that, it, that the conversation was recorded in the Bible, although not all that accurately, I must must say, that we talked about truth and, and our perception of truth and his perception of truth. And he came from the position that uh, there was no such thing as that you could never ever know anything that what God felt was truth really in the end. He, he didn't even know whether he could believe in a God, but he felt very strongly that it wasn't about, no, you wouldn't ever know what God's truth really is. And it was during that conversation that I told him that, that I was the messenger of truth. And he actually, in the end, terminated the conversation with the question, you know, like, and it was quite a sarcastic question, actually, you know, what is truth anyway? Like, he just felt that there, were, there was no way of knowing what the truth is. And how many of you actually feel that sometimes, that, you know, you've investigated this thing, and you've investigated that thing, you've investigated all these spiritual concepts, you've heard all of these different things emotionally, and, you know, you've gone to different religious movements, and you've gone to... And, and in amongst all of that, there's a bit of truth that's hit you, but who knows what the truth really is? Yeah? Isn't that a common viewpoint? And then what happens after that is we get to feel really hopeless. Uh, and we give up. And how many of you in your own spiritual quest have had periods of time where you've just sort of said, blow this, like, what's the point now? Like, I might as well just give it up and just live my life how I see my truth is all about. So today what we're going to do is just say, uh, show you that there is ways to, to actually determine what God's truth is. And because God's truth has qualities or attributes that are recognisable. And when 
you will see these things in the world around you and in people around you and in your own emotions. You will recognise which bit is actually God's truth as long as you can see these attributes and qualities. What I'll do firstly is just uh, go through some basics about personal truth and God's truth and then we'll discuss more about uh, the qualities and attributes of the truth. The actual I've listed 16 and there are many more by the way but I've listed 16 in the outline that you've got and we can discuss them. Alright, now, um, just one thing I want to mention as an aside, there's a book that many of you might want to be interested in for yourselves, that if you haven't got it already, The Body is the Barometer of the Soul. Right? Yesterday we were speaking, yesterday we were speaking a lot about uh, fear-based and emotion-based things affecting your physical body, and how every single physical pain is a reflection of an emotional pain within you. Right? And this book is very good for that. It's not, it's not as concise, perhaps, as it could be, but it's one of the better books. It was written by a lady in Australia, Annette Noonji. Annette, A-N-N-E-T-E, N-O-O-N-T-I-L. So, if any of you want to have a look at that after, it's up here to you. generating a bit of discussion. What's going on then? <laughs> when you're lied to, how do you feel? Betrayed. Offended. Offended. Angry. Angry? Yes. Why does lying generate so much emotion, do you think? Because the trust is broken. Okay. So there's, there's some major issues at the soul level, isn't there, that a lie actually confronts. And now, how do you feel when someone's always telling you the truth? How do you feel then? Confident. Being honest, eh? Yeah. Many of us have never experienced that, have we? No, you, you can experience, experience it through your children. You can, because your children initially, if you don't shut them down, will initially be reflectors of truth. Yep. But often what happens is we do not want their truth reflected back at us, so what do we do? We teach them how to lie. And many of us have grown up in that. Now, you can teach them how to lie very simply, just by refusing the truth from them. And they learn that there's an emotion. When mummy feels or daddy feels an emotion of anger, then I didn't do the right thing. You don't have to say a simple thing to them, right? And all of a sudden now they're in a space where they feel the truth is actually not welcome. Now, how many of you feel, with all the people around you, that the truth is not welcome? How many of you feel that? Yeah. So very afraid. That, what does that cause within you? The fear of even staying in your truth, doesn't it? If the truth isn't welcome, then it means I'm not welcome. And if I'm not welcome, and nobody's going to listen to the truth that I'm speaking, in the end what's going to happen, I feel in the end that I'm going to lose all my friends, and lose all my family, and I'll be alone. And how much don't we want to be alone? Because we don't want to feel that emotion either. 
So what do we do instead? We start to lie. And lie, I don't mean just by lying. Lying isn't just the speaking of an untruth. Just holding back. Right? Lying can also be the holding back of an untruth. And your body will start to totally respond to these things that are going on within you. What happens is inside of your body, certain chakra areas or major energy points in your body will start closing down when you feel you cannot speak your truth. So this brings us to the issue of personal truth. What is personal truth? Well, personal truth is your current emotional state and belief system. Right. Your current emotional state and belief system. Now, the New Age philosophy is that is as long as you live in your personal truth, you will feel great. And that is actually a truth, believe it or not. That is, if you live in your personal truth, you will feel great. It doesn't mean that you eventually won't feel great. But it doesn't mean that you will be permanent. Because what happens is, often our personal truth is error. And all we're doing when we're living in it is we're feeling great, but actually breaking God's laws. And when we break God's laws, what happens? There's an automatic disharmony in our soul for breaking God's laws. All of God's laws are perfect, and there's an automatic, there's an automatic penalty, if you like, upon our own soul for breaking any law. So what will happen eventually if you live in your own truth only is you'll become more and more unhappy. That's why the New Age stuff doesn't work all the time. Right? So, because you can live it and live it and live it, and yet you still feel like you're unhappy. Right? You don't ever feel this really sense of joyous being, a blissful, blissful life. And that's often because what's happening is you're living your personal truth, but it's error. And you're breaking God's laws, which are causing more penalties on the soul, which causes more pain to your soul, and eventually that pain catches up with you. So that's not to scare anybody, but that's just to understand what the laws of the universe are of truth. When you reject truth, just like when you get a lie given to you, it feels bad. When you reject truth yourself, there will be a feeling inside of your soul that feels bad. And when you accept truth, there will be a feeling of powerfulness and love that comes into your soul as a result of accepting these truths. Emotionally, we're talking, right? So remember, we've got our soul, again. Our soul is always... Right? And I can't emphasise this enough. This is why I write it all the time. Emotions. We have the two influences on the soul, which are... And... And they enter our soul through our... Whoop, gave you a clue there. <laughs> they enter our soul through our emotions, basically. Through, it, through this, all of these things, they, they get corrupted, if you like. So our desires get corrupted, our passions get corrupted, our intentions get corrupted by these errors that enter our soul. And these errors then define our life and define our happiness as well. Now, that state of this being, of this soul, 
which is a combination of the truth and the error that the soul is experiencing, could be said to be the soul's personal truth. So what you need to see when you're, when you're staying in your personal truth, which, when, let, let's talk about it, what it really is, it means staying in your emotional truth, right? When you stay in your emotional truth, it doesn't mean that you're actually in truth from God's perspective. All it means is that you are in your own emotional space and you're being truthful about the space you're in. That's all it means. And it doesn't mean that that conforms to any of God's principles of truth. Now to give an example, when a murderer goes out to murder, he is staying in his personal truth. He is exercising this rageful desire that he has that's causing him to feel that he can actually murder somebody else. And he's staying in his personal truth about that. But do you think he's staying in God's truth? No. Obviously not. Right? So the two things are totally different to each other. Our personal truth and God's truth, totally separate to each other. And that's the first thing to understand. Now, our personal truth can come to be God's truth, but only if we accept God's truth into our emotional condition, into our soul. It's our soul condition which is the reflection of the truth. So, unless we receive the divine love into our soul, unless we receive that truth into our soul that comes as a part of that, we will never, ever become at one with God. <coughs> and we will hold on to our personal truth. So there are a lot of dangers for holding on to personal truth, but you must experience your personal truth to get closer to God. So, right at the moment, just feel your own emotions for a moment. Just breathe into your tummy. You can close your eyes if you want. Just breathe in your tummy and ask yourself, what am I really feeling right now? Now, how many of you feel excited? Yeah, some feel excited. Okay. How many of you feel a bit of dread? A dread? That sort of, yeah, a bit of dread? No. How many of you just don't know what you're feeling? No, quite a few. Yeah. Perhaps just sailing along. Just sort of floating along. In this... mm, agreeably. Agreeably. Yeah. <laughs> Is that living in your passion? You see, what often happens is we become so detuned from our own emotion that we're not even experiencing our own emotional truth. Right? And if you're unwilling to experience your own emotional truth, do you think you're capable of experiencing God's? Can you see that it's important to actually face your own emotional truth? So, in this discussion, please remember that I'm not saying don't live in your personal truth. I am saying, as you live in your personal truth, recognise when your personal truth is out of harmony with God's truth and realise that there's an emotion in me that creates that disharmony that I need to experience. Right? That's what I need to do. Yeah? How can you possibly know what God's truth is if you think of your own truth? Well, that's what we're going to look at in terms of the qualities of God's truth so that we can determine what God's truth actually is even just from an intellectual perspective initially. Right? But eventually, the only way to actually know what God's truth is, is to firstly experience God's love into you, and God's truth enters... Remember, the love always enters through the Spirit of Truth, through the Holy Spirit. 
So that, that spirit of truth can't connect to you unless you are in a state of truth in that instant. Right? So you are learning truth as you're feeling God's love. So the way God built this whole system is that truth is so important to the whole process. Without the truth, the love can't be experienced. Right? And that's why I said the truth will set you free. It's not the love that sets you free. Because firstly, when you start, you're not feeling any love, or very much love from God, right? And there's a way to access that love, but it's only by you coming into truth. So it's actually the truth that sets you free. Learn to have a love for God's truth. That's what will set you free. Not for your own truth, but you do need to experience your own truth. And understand when it's in disharmony with God's truth. Are there any questions about that? Gary? I was just uh, a bit of an example. When I was um, in either grade one or two or three or something, I um, picked up a halfpenny on the on the, the floor of the schoolroom, which was the, like the carpenter's room. Yeah. And I had this halfpenny, so I went across to the shop with my mate and got a, a big lolly. Yeah. <laughs> and my mate, actually, the shopkeeper gave him one, just as well. Yeah. So we went home and I was quite proud of myself, but I must have lolly on my face. <laughs> when I got home I got really, you know, into trouble, smacked and uh, I was made go back the next day and take the halfpenny and another halfpenny back and then I got smacked at school. So I got really punished for telling the truth. Yeah. And when and then now I think, well the halfpenny well, no, I know, I should have left it there. <laughs> 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 that, but what's God's truth in that? Like, it's just that there's nobody, it's probably the carpenter's money laying on the ground with the hate me. But what's God's truth in that instance? You know, how would I relate to that? Like, from an early age, I was punished for telling the truth. Why don't you come here, up here and sit next to us? <laughs> <laughs> Get stuck straight into it. <laughs> Gary hates being in front of an audience as well, was the comment he just made. Yeah. So the key is for you to just relax and not project any of these things that Gary that he worries about. So so the issue is that is that um, there would have been some things on the video that didn't hear that, but the issue is you basically got punished for doing something quite innocent. Yeah, I thought, you know, I did. I just went and um, put the money, got a lolly, and everything was great until I got home. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and how does it make you feel, like, how does it make you feel? Uh, like I was pretty, I was bad for doing that. Yeah. Now, so what did it create in you emotionally? It basically created a feeling of you being like disgusting or bad. Yeah. yeah. And that you, that you were almost made to feel like you'd lied uh, or stolen. Stolen, yeah. So you, that, that's what she said. Your mum said that you'd basically yeah, stolen. Stole you stole it. Yeah, I've, I've got to take it back. And 
and give it to these teachers that were nuns, but that were um, fairly savage as well. <laughs> 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 Smack you across the back of the leg for a while. So you were punished at home, punished at school, yeah. and ironically, both by women as well. Yeah, and, and before that, but before that, like, um, in grade one, I wanted to go to the toilet, but they wouldn't let me, so I wet my pants. Yeah. And then, um, on the way home that day, there's uh, the sewage in Brisbane used to go out on the other on the road, so it's green, the gutters are all green, so yeah. I slid all the way home. Oh. So I wouldn't get into trouble for wetting my pants. Uh. <laughs> so, but then I got into trouble for that as well. You got in trouble for sliding all the way home. Because yeah. I was in white, sports uniform, and now we're in green. <laughs> a bad issue with that as well. And a lot of this was to do with women, wasn't it? <coughs> yeah. Do you mind explaining how it's to do with women and your relationships now? Like, you're tempted to lie to women all the time now, aren't you? Yeah. 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 And why do you do it? So I don't get into trouble, mainly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you can see how it's affected him emotionally now, all of these childhood experiences, right? See, I don't want to say, well, this is why. You know, I want to I take responsibility for it. Yeah, but I want to say this is why, because okay. that's the truth. Yeah. But, yeah, but I don't want to say, well, you know, I want to be more responsible for... But, but the truth is that you can only be responsible for the emotions that are within you, but to be responsible for the emotions, we've actually got to say the truth about what actually occurred in each situation. You follow me? Mm -hmm. So the truth is that firstly you were accused of stealing in this particular instance that you brought up. You were accused of stealing when you didn't steal. Mm -hmm. Then you were punished for stealing, mm -hmm. right? which wasn't the truth at all, was it, obviously? So, and then not only were you done, that happened to you at home, but you now had to give back some money that you, <laughs> you didn't even steal. And then you had to get punished at school as well, or, you, or these people punished you at school as well. That's all pretty bad, don't you? No, I don't. You don't? No, I, I'll say, I always think it wasn't all that bad. So, what's the problem? It's a minimising issue, right? So, so why do we minimise? Remember we talked about minimising yesterday? So we don't have to feel the pain of it, right? So, so that's why we do that emotionally, minimise the whole thing. The truth is that little Gary is very, very hurt about these events. So hurt now that every interaction with a woman that gets close always involves Gary protecting himself in even little tiny things, right? Yeah. Like, you can't even tell the truth about where you've been today, even when it was innocent, right? Yeah, that's right. Can you? Yeah, even Ange, I, got, I, had a, I was supposed to be on a diet there a few years ago, so I had a, a chocolate ice cream or something, I forget, but <laughs> it was on my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, what's that on your shirt? And I looked down and I thought, ah, oh, brown mastic, you know? <laughs> He's a builder. He's a builder. So she goes... And how did that make you feel right at that instant? There was this terrible feeling of... Yeah, just terror. Terror. Yeah. Yeah. And Gary's mother used to chase him around with a loaded shotgun. Oh, shooting. oh no. Sorry, 22, shooting at him. Right. So... We're talking about a very. Did you say minimise the gun thing just then? I was only 22. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
So can you see can you see why Gary feels very afraid in his interactions with women? Naturally so. Now now there's a truth of God's truth never creates fear. In fact, in one of the I'll just have a look at it, it's on page two, halfway down. Divine truth results in a fearless existence. Is what I've written there, right? Now, anything that creates fear in you, and I'm talking about the causal creations of fear here, not the effect creations. So I'm talking about the childhood creations of fear inside of you. Anything that creates a fear is based around an untruth. So if you look at what's happened in Gary's life, firstly, there was this interaction with, you know, just innocently, like a child would picking up money, saying, you really, I found some money, my good Lord, attraction. Was there a feeling in Gary when he saw the money that on the ground that should we, should we pick it up? Does it matter? Yeah. Is there a feeling in you at the time huh, that you shouldn't have picked up the money? I can't really remember that. But, um, See, to him it wasn't an important um, part yeah, of the event. I, I was never given any money to go to school anyway, so it was probably a real prize. Mm. Yeah. 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 yeah, and you know how when you're a child and you find something and oh, it's just like you just want to now you want to do something with it, something, right? And I don't, yeah. I don't even know whether it was a, your mother's rules or not that you shouldn't, you know, steal money or pick up, you know, yeah. even off off them. I can't really remember that far back. Um, just about money, Cathy picked up five dollars in the gutter a few weeks ago, and she brought it home. And she asked me if it was stealing because she found it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nowadays, like just the other day, I was working at, at working a big paddock, building a shed. There's a ten dollar note in the grass there, so I actually gave it back to the owner. And all the other boys are saying, "Keep it, idiot." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. There are issues of truth involved in those transactions, obviously. You know, obviously, if you know somebody probably miss what's going, going on, then do what you can to re, to get it back to them. But this is, this is not part of this issue emotionally, is it, for Gary? The issue is that there's a very deep core emotion in Gary now where in every interaction with a close relationship, he feels so tempted to lie because he's just so terrified of telling the truth, even when there's probably going to be no result in telling the truth. But he has this feeling now within him that there's just going to be this constant, this constant fear. There must be that fear, like I was saying to you yesterday, about yeah. I was uh, punching the bag, you know, with anger. Mm. Ange and I had an argument, and I was punching the bag, and for about an hour or so, until I got that exhausted, that I wanted to get to a, a causal emotion or whatever, that I couldn't. So I went downtown. And uh, I was just looking in a kitchen shop, and this young fellow walked up the street, and I actually I caught him in the corner of my eye, and I actually just froze with fear or terror, mm -hmm. and um, and I couldn't move my arms or legs or anything. I was just down the main street, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, so there's something like terror or fear or something mm -hmm. um, in me that I've got to get to yet. So. Yeah. And can you see how much it's locked up Gary's life? Like, Gary can feel that very strongly. Can't yeah. so, so if it was divine truth that your mother was presenting, or these, or these uh, you know, nuns were presenting to you, it wouldn't have resulted in more fear with you. Also, truth doesn't punish. 
Do you understand that? So, so if, if you, in telling the truth, get punished, then the person doing that to you is ignorant <coughs> and they're not understanding some truths about God's truth. But they're automatic upon the soul. It's not about punishment. It's just about the consequences upon the soul that resonate with the universe. That, in fact, whenever you violate any law, there's a, just an automatic consequence on the soul. Right? It's not because of someone trying to punish you, trying to make you know you feel bad about yourself. It's just an automatic consequence. So, so why would you, as a parent, or why would you, as a friend, or why would you, in any organisation, try to punish a person more than what the gods, that, than the penalties that they've already received by violating law? Do you understand what I mean by that? Every time you have a desire to punish somebody for what they've done, you are actually yourself breaking God's law. You're actually usurping God, in fact. Can you see that? You're putting yourself above God because God doesn't even do punishment. And if you do it, then what you are doing is you're saying, I'm, you know, I've got the right to punish or, or project punishment emotions at, these, at this adult. God doesn't do these things. So, so the, the key is every time I desire to do it, I'm out of harmony with God's truth. There's an emotion in me causing me to do that. Now in this case, obviously it's very difficult for a child to actually say to itself, mum was out of line and these nuns were out of line when all of these terrible emotions were projected at you, causing a lot of physical pain even and emotional pain inside of you that are now lived through your life. So, one of the things that you are going to need to do to open it all up emotionally is start telling yourself the complete truth. One thing to remember is the truth is always emotional. Now, if you do not tell yourself the complete truth, if you minimise it, justify it, shift the blame to someone else, repress it, deny it, and do all of those other things we talked about yesterday, if you do any of those things, what you're actually doing is locking up your own experience of truth. <coughs> So one of the things when you say, when you say, oh, but it was only, hmm. as soon as you say those words, oh, but it was only, and then mention what it is, it was only a 22. <laughs> as soon as you say that, you are actually minimising the truth. And when you minimise the truth, what is actually happening now is you're locking up the emotion. That's the automatic result of your minimisation of truth. Does everyone understand that? As soon as you minimise the truth, justify it, and, and shift the blame onto others as soon as you do all of those other repressing things to the truth. What you're actually doing is actually repressing your emotions as well. That's what you're doing. Your emotions will only flow if you stay in truth. Because I was actually to a stage where I didn't care if she shot me that day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And she went click and there was like, no, it was all of it. And it was it right me back, you know. So. Mm. And I was that man. That you couldn't care less anymore. Yeah, you know, I punched the wall and walked away from it. Like, after I got down off the roof and then I was that man and angry that I, I couldn't care. Now, understand that this event didn't happen when Gary was little. So I was like mm. 21 or something. Mm. Okay. So he was actually now an adult being chased around by his mother with a, with a gun. Right? And could have been murdered, actually. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't, I didn't even care about Now let's that. say the true about, truth about <coughs> Gary's mum. Now this is not a judgement of Gary's mum. This is just the truth about Gary's mum. 
what emotions must be in this lady to drive her to actually chase her son around with a gun? So, huge rage towards men in particular, right? Which would be suppressing what kind of emotion? Huge amount of grief towards men. Right? That must be also there. You find that? And what is she choosing to do? Not experience those emotions, but rather take them out on her son. And it creates, of course, a lot of things within you. Now, is what she did, from God's perspective, right? No. We need to say that. Is what she did toxic? Yes. Okay, so we need to say that. Just say the truth. Gary's mum was a toxic mother towards you. And to be honest, if Gary's mum was sitting in the audience, I'd be saying exactly the same thing to her. And if she couldn't accept that, then she just cannot accept the truth. And it's not a judgment of her, because she has all of these other emotions inside of her that created all these things, right? And Gary doesn't need to go down that track of even knowing what they are, or having any commiseration for those emotions. Because if he does that, what is he doing? He's justifying her actions, which then also detunes me from my emotions, which detunes me from the truth. You follow me? So the only thing we can do is just state the complete truth about what she is doing and has done right now. Now many of you do not want to face the truth about what your parents have actually done to you or treated you as. Many of you also don't want to face what you have done as parents towards your own children. And in the end, if you want to feel all of your own emotions, you will need to face both of those things. Right? Because that's the truth. The truth can be accepted. So Gary's question earlier was, where was God's truth in that? The answer is, God's truth wasn't anywhere in that. That was all your mum acting on her personal truth, you know, your nuns acting on their personal truth, you being forced into conforming. And how did it feel for you in your heart? How did it feel for you at that moment? Of, of, um, when you were blamed for stealing. Blamed for well, how did you feel then? Ashamed. Ashamed. And then how did you feel when you uh, um, then you had to go and sort of confess to lying and you never did that? <coughs> confess to stealing and you never did that. So you had to basically lie to lie. get out of it. How did you feel lie, then? Yeah, for getting, um, I don't really know. And how did you feel about getting hurt, punished because of it? Twice? Yeah. Three times? You got used to that. You got used to that. <laughs> so that is another justification. How did you feel? Um, how does it feel? I always think, think, always <laughs> uh, think that she was doing the right thing by us by teaching us the right thing to do. Can you see why Gary's not experiencing emotion? <laughs> yeah, shutting it, shutting it down, justifying. You're her. justifying her behaviour. Can you see that? Yeah. Yep. Do you think she meant well? Well, yeah, she said she, she meant well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Just because someone says something, it doesn't mean it's true, right? Mary, you? I was just going to say, Gary was given some emotions and feelings about himself from his mother and from the nuns. God has some different emotions about him, and that's God's truth in that situation. Exactly. Yeah. So, so what Gary was feeling was all of these other people's personal truths, but God's truth wasn't anywhere to be found, really. 
in, in from, from what happened to Gary, except that God wants Gary to understand the truth, and even then wanted him to understand the truth, and now wants you to understand the truth, mm. that God doesn't feel the way your mother feels. Yeah, I can understand that. No, you don't. Well, some of the, yeah, some of the weird things she's done was... Um... Well, let's look what's being projected onto God. <clears throat> what do you feel God is going to do? When you let experience all of your emotions, what do you feel God's going to do? Oh, not punish me for that. For a start. No, that's what you think. It's yeah. not what you feel. Well, yeah. What do you feel? Well, what did your mother do? Punish me, yeah. So what do you think God's going to do? Yeah, punish me, yeah. I'll go to hell. <laughs> yeah. Right, so the truth of the emotion inside of Gary is that he now believes that God is the same as his mother. Right? And you, you do believe that. Even though you think, you know, you've heard, we, we talk about all these yeah. truths about God, and you know God's not like that here. Yeah. But you feel God is that here. Yeah, I think I'm one of the ones that, you know, won't get there. Yeah. You have a so deep feeling. Because I've lied so much over the years. Yeah. Right? So, Gary, because he's lied most of his life, because of these childhood events. Well, they were made up stories to make me a hero. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> as a kid, I, I made up stories or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then as I've told them over and over and, and into adulthood, I've forgotten what the real truth is. Yeah. I've blown up the, the stories or whatever. So much that they're unrecognisable now even to and yourself. And I don't even know what the truth is. Yeah. yeah. So that's how bad it got. Yeah. yeah. And that was all coming from the fear, wasn't it? Or coming from this fear that well, terror. Yeah, terror, because we, we used to be as kids, we'd be told to clean the house up or whatever. But then my mother would go off to vote, but then she'd come back and appear at a bedroom door and say, "Your mother told you kids to clean the house up." So and she'd make out she's an apparition. Yeah. yeah. And he used to scare the hell out of us. And then when she'd come home, we'd tell her that, and she'd say, "You're mad, you're silly," oh. you know. Oh. And then I'd, we'd be in the old, I'd be in the thunderbox down the backyard, playing with the candle on the wall, you know, playing with the matches. Yeah. And she'd appear in the out of the dark and say, "Your mother told you not to play with the matches." Oh. And then she'd disappear. And then I'd run up and tell her, and she'd say, "Oh, you're silly, you know, you're mad." So what what was her what was her desire to terrify him? Yeah. 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 I don't know why that would be only that she would be trying to make us do the right thing. No, but see, there's where we make the step from what did she actually do, what's the truth of what she actually did, into trying to justify what she did, as there must be some loving reason. And as soon as we go into that state of trying to justify what she did, then we actually are stepping away from the emotion of how we actually felt about what she did, and we can't experience the emotion. There's a really, really good book for, the, for many of you that you may wish to read. It's called Toxic Parents. Um, I think it's Dr. Susan Forward. Um, is the author. It's written in the 1960s. It was a very old book uh, from, you know, with... She was so blunt, right? One thing I love about that book, and this is something probably that you need to consider reading as well. I've even read that. No, it's not the book. Yeah. And apart from the Xerox and everything, you have to take the gap up there. Yeah. I can't see much wrong with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And that doesn't faze me. There's another book that Gary just met, uh, mentioned uh, that is about if you've experienced childhood abuse of any kind, you will probably want to read this book. It's, um, it's a trilogy uh, called My Story um, by Dave Pelzer. P-E-L-Z-E-R. P-E-L-Z-E-R. And it's a, it's a story about his childhood abuse and then as he was growing as a teenager and then now how it's affected him as an adult. And it's a really, really good book uh, to help you connect with childhood emotions. Um, but Gary just mentioned that he didn't see much difference between Dave's life and his own. Apart from the bad things that happened to him. Some of the bad things, yeah. Some of the bad things that happened to him. Yeah. So, so the issue here is... What truth, what does God want us to do? God wants us to face all of the truth about what's happened to us. You follow me? Say that again. God wants us to face all the truth about what's happened to us. Now, that means facing the truth of how people treated us really as it was. Not how we want it to be now, but how it really was. How many of you were never hugged by your parent, by your father? Never hugged. Can't even remember a time, except for maybe recently, maybe when he's grown up, right? But never hugged as a child by your father. That's like more than half of the audience, right? How how did that affect you? What's the truth about that? We felt not good enough and unloved. Yeah. All right. Now God wants you to face that truth. To just face it and experience that emotionally. That's what God wants. So divine truth wants you to state the truth about everything. The truth about everything in your life. Everything that's happened to you, but everything also that you've done to others. Like, I went to my boys and, and sat them both down. They were, they were 11 and 13. And I said to them, I've been, up to now, I've been a very terrible dad. Because I've projected on you emotions that now I can see in you, and now you're starting to live those emotions in your life. And I don't want to do that anymore. So I made a promise to them that I'm not going to do that with them anymore. Right, once I recognise that occurred. You get, and I had to feel the emotions of that. So, you know, I spent many weeks crying about the damage that I've done to my, to my boys. Can you give an example, AJ, with the uh, in terms of what some of the oh, truth is. Okay, and I taught my boys through my interaction with their mother that a, a woman must always be acceded to, like must always be, like you must always do what the woman wants, and you must always try to protect and and be responsible for her emotions. So if she's crying, you need to cheer her up, you know, and you need to protect mummy from feeling bad. That's what I taught them. And guess what they're doing in their relationships? Mm -hmm. Protecting their women from feeling Is that. Is that because of your relationship with your mother? Uh, that was because of, uh, it had to do with core emotions for me, had to do with first century issues mm -hmm. about my relationship with women and my mother and my feelings about how women were treated in the first century. So that was the core issue. But, um, it, you know, that's how I display it until I healed that emotion. The problem is that I created that emotion in my sons. I taught them how to interact with women mm -hmm. through my behaviour. Right? 
And it, I, it wasn't by words. I didn't sit my sons down and say, this is how you must treat a woman. Mm. This is, but, but it was Sorry, totally by example. what I did. How I felt. And all of that projection they absorbed. And but we're doing our best, aren't we? Like you did your best. See, that was a justification. <laughs> I've had my father yell at me because he felt I did my best. And I'm telling him, no, whether you think I did my best or not is immaterial. I need to state the truth from God's perspective. Yeah. You follow me? So we need to clean that up with our children. We need to clean up everything. If you want to be at one with God, you're going to need to actually face the complete truth about everything that you've done and have had happened to you, right? And not justify it. Now, imagine you're just sitting down with your mother for a moment, or your father. Just imagine you're sitting down together. And, and like, just imagine Gary sitting here and I'm his mother, and he's saying to you, why, Mum, did you sh chase me around with a gun? And she says, well, you were an annoying little brat, actually. Right? And, you know, I just couldn't control myself sometimes, you know, you needed to buck up, you know. Now, how, do you, how would Gary feel with that interaction, do you think, if, if his mother said that to him? This is his mother's truth, by the way, at the moment. Well, he was responsible for her, but she's just stomped on him big time. She's just stomped on him big time, hasn't she, by saying that. So he's now exposing, he's asking a sincere question, and what she's saying, she is justifying her own behaviour and actually telling him that her behaviour was his fault. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and we do this with ourselves, with our parents' relationship, all the time. You are justifying to yourself, a lot of the time, your parents' behaviour towards yourself. And if your mothers or fathers now, you do that because you want to also justify to your own children your own behaviour towards them. Right? This, is a, this is a continual cycle that occurs throughout, throughout your life if you don't own these emotions. Now, important for you to come to understand is that if you are wanting to do that, you will never be at one with God. If you want to hold on to your emotions and project blame at others, people and not accept the truth, you will never become at one with God. So how many of you feel like saying, oh, but AJ, my mother and father, you know, I love them now. How many of you feel, while, they were, while you were a child, you didn't really understand them, now you get them totally? How many of you feel that? Like... Right? So quite a few of that. Right? Or that you want to justify their behaviour. How many of you want to do that? Justify their behaviour. Why do you want to justify their behaviour? Because you do not want to feel the emotional truth of what their behaviour created in you. That's and why you've got you want to say you really weren't, weren't very well loved. <laughs> yeah, at some point you have to say, my mother did not love me, and feel that emotion. You're going to have to accept that truth at some point. Well, she, my mother even told us that. Also, she said she, she, uh, she never even wanted us kids. If she, uh, she only married me father to get away from her mother. <laughs> if she had her time again, she'd never have us kids. So what? So what she's really saying? Yeah. And and the emotion you don't want to feel is if my mother can't love me, then nobody can love me. I'm unlovable. And that's the emotion that we often don't want to feel, like this emotion of I'm unlovable. Right. So 
and, and quite often even with our own children, if we've done the same thing to them, we don't want to own up and say, you know, the truth is that no matter what reasons I had for doing what I did, the truth is I created this damage in you. And you can say whatever you like and justify my behaviour, whatever you like even, but I can't justify that anymore. Because the instant you start justifying it, you will instantly get away from the emotion of it. Right? And you need to not justify these things anymore, even to yourself. Yeah, what's the role of lack of awareness in that? Like I seriously don't think my father knew that his anger was affecting us. It doesn't matter what you think your father knew or didn't know. Mm -hmm. The truth is his anger did affect you, and you just need to experience that. You yeah. follow me? Yeah. So don't, when you go down, but, but my father didn't understand, mm -hmm. what you're basically saying to yourself was, that's a good reason for him to do what he did. And then I'm jumping into his perspective. And, yeah. Straight away. Yeah. And, and this is the thing about the Toxic Parent book, and I recommend that it's read, it's quite a good read. Um, is that she constantly talks about how we step into the role of the parent mm -hmm. once we become an adult, mm -hmm. justifying our parents' actions to ourselves, to our inner child, right? And therefore never experiencing the emotion. Right? You're just <coughs> taking over the role they had. They were justifying their role to you and now you're doing it to yourself. Right? And we need to stop all of that if we want to feel our emotion. So what would the divine truth do? What's the quality of divine truth? The divine truth wants you to say and feel absolutely what happened. Exactly as it happened. <coughs> Right? without any compromise, without any compromise. And in fact, if you look at one of the other things I've written, uh, Divine Truth, right at the top second page, Divine Truth does not and cannot compromise, even for the sake of peace. Right? How many of you would like to sit down and say to your parents, Mum, you did this. And how many of you know that they're just going to go off their rocker when you say it? And she's gone off a rocker. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that to her, but I can't say that to Dad because I don't want to hurt his feelings. What do you do when both parents are already dead? You never had the chance to do that. It's not about... Um, in the end, like... You don't have to do this face to face with a person, although if the person is dead, as soon as you feel about them, they are there with you, generally. So let's say your father did some hurtful things. Let's say he abused you as a child, right? And, and he's now passed. The instant that you feel about the abuse that he did to you as a child, he will feel an emotional connection to you in the spirit world, and he'll feel drawn into facing the issue. You follow me? Because he'll feel your pain, and he will feel that there's somehow a link between your pain and his responsibility. So this occurs whether they're alive, what well, alive or dead, as we call it. Like there will be in the end this re resolution of these issues. Right? The key is for you to say the truth, even out loud. Like if he's died, just say that, Dad, you abused me, you sexually molested me. I was three years old. I didn't deserve that. You did it all because of all these things. And like if you're angry with him, I'm angry with you now. And I realise that I'm angry with you because I don't want to feel my sadness. But at the moment, this is how it is. I'm angry with you. 
and I need to get to my sadness. And you know what? The reason why I don't want to feel my sadness is because you should be feeling it, right? For me. I shouldn't have to feel it. You created it. You know, if these are the feelings that you have, just say them, right? Now, while what I'm saying isn't harmonious with divine truth, it is living in your personal truth is that if that's how you're feeling right at that moment. And you also need to go down the track of saying, all right, I know I'm really angry and I'm just denying these underlying emotions and I need to get to that place where I can feel those underlying emotions. But at the moment, I've got to go through this childhood rage to get to them. And I'm really angry and pissed off with you, Dad, for doing those things. Does that help him in the spirit world? Does that also totally, yeah. totally. Every, one of, every time you speak the truth to another person, their heart changes, whether you notice the change or not. Now, sometimes the change is negative. You follow me? I, they put up more of a resistance to the, your, the truth, and they don't want to see you anymore. Like in my, my life, I've had my parents, one of my parents not speak to me for seven years. My sister didn't speak, hasn't spoken to me, still doesn't speak to me, 12, from 12 years ago. Right? Because of the issue of truth. But in the end, like you can live a happy life because you're in the state, remember I said at the start, when you're speaking truth all the time, you're in a state of power and love. And you will feel that, and you will feel that start happening. Every time you lie now, how do you feel? Yeah. And yet the lies are all generated by this fear, this terror. So what's the causal emotion you need to access? What do you firstly need to feel, do you think? About getting into trouble for lying. Exactly. So it's about the terror, the terror of punishment for telling the truth. So now there's an association Gary has. If I tell the truth, I'm going to be punished. I must lie to avoid punishment. This is the association. The only way to undo that is to feel the emotion of the terror of telling the truth. How terrified you feel about telling the truth. Once you feel and experience that emotion and release it, you will no longer be afraid of telling the truth and you'll be able to tell the truth. And ironically, at that point, you'll also no longer feel guilty for lying because you're not lying anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, until Gary feels the terror associated with truth, he will continue to lie, no matter how much he tries, intellectually, to start telling the truth. Until that emotion of the terror of the truth is released, you will continue to lie. Yeah, Son of a I've got to a stage where I, I just go from work to home and I don't even go for a coffee. And I've even given up coffee. Right. So I don't have to lie about it. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just saying, no, I feel like a coffee, yeah. so I'm going to go to have a coffee, and then I'm going to go home and tell Ange or whatever, I just had a coffee, and so what? Or ice cream. Or a block of... Or a block of steak, even. And you all know what I feel about eating meat. But if that's how he's feeling in his heart, he needs to go do that to be in the truth of that. Does that make sense? And then he will connect with the emotions. Why am I in this truth of this? What's the truth of this? Ange? So how does he get to the point of feeling that terror? 
Well, that is a choice in the end. That's the bit of responsibility. So what you've been doing up to now is you've been taking responsibility for your mother's emotion, minimising them, shifting the blame, you know, blaming yourself instead of her and so forth. That's not taking responsibility. Right? That is actually taking responsibility for someone else's emotion, not your own. Taking responsibility for your own emotion is saying the truth about how I feel about that event and then experiencing that truth. I was absolutely terrified and I need to go into that terror and breathe through it and do maybe some body work and do some inner child work to connect with that terror of how you've made this relationship between truth and fear. You know, this terror and fear, this terror and truth <coughs> relationship is deeply inside of you. Yeah. Well, I must have got right to that in the street the other night because I just... Yep. You froze. I've been so scared. Yeah. yeah. And there was absolutely no need for me because it was just a kid walking by, so... Mm. But I just imagined that it was someone sneaking up on me again or something. I don't know what it was. Yeah. So, so you're getting law of attraction events yeah. that are telling you, it's the terror, mate, it's the terror, it's the terror. This yeah. is where you need to go. This is what's preventing you from growing at the moment. Mm. So now there's, now there's lots of tools we can use to access terror. There's body work, you know, craniosacral work, some massage, there's all sorts of different things that we can do to, to actually access this terror and experience it. It's now just a matter of you making a choice to do that. Yeah. You know what the issue is. Mm. It's just a matter of accessing it and experiencing it now. Mm. And then it'll be God's truth. God's truth is that you actually are loved and cared for, mm. and when you tell the truth, you should never be punished. Mm. God never punishes a person for living in truth, ever. Shame come from basically. No, 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 no. Like, yes, the belief from the toxic shame. <laughs> the essence of him is bad and wrong. You're talking about yeah. the terror and feel that. Where does the feeling, the, the whole, you know, completely I'm bad? Once wrong. he accesses the terror and the relationship with truth, yeah. he will start living in truth. Yeah. Once he starts living in truth, yeah. the other emotions, which are the deeper core emotions of unworthiness, yes. shame, guilt, a lot, of, a lot of other underlying emotions will start flowing up. Right. At the moment what's happening is the terror is locking down the, the truth and the truth is locking down the emotion. The lack of truth is locking yeah. down the emotion. Yeah. So don't try to skip over all of that and say, oh, yeah, so the bottom issue is actually unworthiness. Yeah. Or the bottom issue is that he's ashamed of himself or that he's to blame. The problem with going to that point is sure, we can go there intellectually, yeah. but you just skipped over a heap of emotions. And, and you, this is why many of you are not allowed, uh, able to access your emotions because you're trying to skip to the end point first and fill that one. And you're not realising that there's these blocking emotions inside that first need to be filled. Terror, associations with truth that we've made, fear, and a lot of those kind of all blocking type of things are all need to be processed first. Yeah. So is it like until, until we get through those blocks and those things first, Depending on what age that is, it's like the child is still directing our life. Totally. The, the child is in a state of terror still. Yeah. You can force it if you want to actually, you know, be in a... Like Gary could force himself to tell the truth every single moment. Mm. But it's going to be a huge intellectual effort. Mm. 
right? Because his desire from his heart is lie, lie, lie. Tell the truth, you're going to get in trouble. Lie, you know. That's the, he's, he's really going. His little inner child say, lie now, lie now, lie now, lie. And if it's a, if it's a woman, what is his, what's the inner child saying? Lie more, lie more. Lie more. <laughs> right. So so this is why his reactions with his interactions with men are a lot more honest than with women. And, and the reason why is there's a lot of femininity injuries as well underneath all of that. But, but if, if we can't deal with the terror truth of relationship and feel that first, then are we ever going to stay in the truth about all of these other things? We're not even going to get to that place. So this is why you need to just experience the emotion of what you're in currently. Right? The, the truth is that God wants you to stay in this state of truth. And I know we've got a bit off topic with this, but... The, the important thing to understand is that when you're in a state of personal truth, you will in fact, in the end, access God's truth. Right? Only if you're in a state of personal truth emotionally and not intellectually or trying to force yourself to go down a track that you don't actually feel inside. So let's get back to honesty and ask the question, how many of you felt angry already today? Like you felt anger today, at any point. How many of you felt anger at any point? Now that's good. So you say to yourself, I was angry. What is anger again? Repression of? So it's a fear-based emotion, a suppression of underlying emotion, usually sadness or some other type of emotion. So I need to say that truth to myself as well. When I was angry, I chose to avoid my underlying emotion. Say the truth. You don't even have to sometimes know what it all is yet. All you need to do is start saying the truth to yourself all the time. And to others, of course. And you will quickly access things. What do you do with the conditioning that comes over a long period of time from having repeated situations? That's the first part. And the second part is, is if it does undo the conditioning... Do you relearn? Can you relearn? Can you undo the conditioning? Well, the whole thing of experiencing the emotional error fully is what undoes the conditioning. So the emotional error, remember, with all your emotions, there's a cause. Right? When you experience that cause, automatically all of the conditioning that happened around that cause starts to disappear and dissipate, right? And so what you end up with is the ability to feel God's truth now what should have happened in that place, and what you really are in that place, not what actually other people told you you were. Or... Uh, all of the emotions associated with truth and love, which include faith, courage, and all those other things, start flowing to you when you stay in a condition of truth. Uh, they all start flowing into you, and you'll feel them flowing into you. They won't flow into you when you stay in a condition where you're dishonest with yourself. So if you're stuck in any of your emotional processing... Right at that point, remember, you're probably being dishonest with yourself. Can I just um, clarify something for myself? Something you said earlier about confronting somebody with some of the emotions that the damage that they've caused us. Yeah. Are you actually saying, perhaps you physically get in front of them or just in our room speak to them as an imaginary person? I am saying, firstly, that you'll probably build up to this, right? So you'll probably first write a little letter to yourself about all these things that this person's done. Then sometimes you'll get to the point with, hang a sec, 
while I'm only doing it with myself, there's only one person involved in this transaction. And an act of love would actually be to tell them the truth about what I, what I feel they've done. Right? That's an act of love as well. You get to a point though, when you've dealt with all the emotions, that you no longer even need that. But, but you can't skip over all of these steps in between. And like many people I find, are always trying to skip over the, and to the end. Like We see ourselves, we have this definition of ourselves in our mind of this loving being, right? That we want to be. And so what we do is we try to act that being. But in reality we're full of all of these emotions. Can I call them perhaps even evil emotions sometimes? So they create bad things for us in many times, bad things for our life. And you know they can be quite evil at times, or they can be quite, let's call them fear-based emotions. They're all inside of us, right? But the outward betrayal, portrayal of ourselves is, oh, I'm this wonderful spiritual person. He's got everything together, right? Now, in reality, what we've just done is set up this huge lie. And do you think God's going to be able to connect to you in this lie state? God's not. So at some point you will need to start being truthful with everything and everyone around you. So, Everyone. So, to, to talk to this person, that will mean that everyone else around me and my family will have the truth of that. And that could destroy things in the family. No, it doesn't destroy anything. See, this is a false belief about truth. The truth is what creates everything. The truth never destroys, it's the error that destroys, right? And it's the truth that exposes the error and the pain that a person feels in experiencing truth is not about them experiencing truth. It's about them feeling the law of compensation or the law of karma about the error. Do you follow me? So, for example, you know, in families you see this a lot. Where, where a lie has been perpetrated. Like, in my family, my mother had an affair and my brother, my youngest brother, was a result of that affair, right? And, and, that, um, and my youngest brother was never told, and he was now 25 years old. Uh-huh. So he never knew. Sorry? Were you told? I was never told. None of us were ever told. Um, but I knew, when I was 10 years old, that my brother was the result of an affair. Now, my mother didn't realise that I knew. Or they thought that I'd covered it all up, right? So what I went is I went to my mum and dad and I sat down with them and said, look, in three months' time, if you haven't told my brother the truth, I'm going to tell him the truth. And I gave them three months because I thought it might take them that long to work through some, some emotions about it if they were going to. I probably could have given them a day or two, but I gave them three months. And then I went to my brother and said, mum and dad have got something to tell you. And if you haven't heard from him in three months, I'll show you. <laughs> Did your father know? Yep, my father knew. Yep. What happened was my mother and father yelled. My mother went into this state of a, a week of shame. And she just cried uncontrollably for a week. And released all of this emotion of, of shame about what what she'd done 25 years earlier. She'd never released that shame until that point. Did you feel guilty for making her cry? Or no, her? no, not at all. Because I knew by that stage that the truth was the most important thing. Was it actually your, 
your responsibility to say that truth mm -hmm. in that case? Can you see what some of your beliefs yeah. about truth are? Yeah. <coughs> Why would it always be my responsibility to say the truth? Because you know the truth. Exactly. Has that never struck you before? <laughs> if you know the truth, why are you not saying it? Well, that's it. isn't that a fear? Am I living in love when I'm in fear? No. No. So if I'm in love, what would I do? I would tell the truth. If I know it, I would tell it. And if he had been not told to protect his feelings and then found out by someone that wasn't his family, then it would have been way more... Well, let me describe the whole event, because in the end, none of his feelings were protected by him not knowing the truth. What actually happened was that... Uh, so I'll describe some, what actually happened three months later, right? After my father got very, very angry with me, and, uh, and as a result of a lot of this anger, I had to... I was living at home at the time after a, um, a marriage breakup, and... And I had to leave the house, so so I had to live on my own. And it was a time I was going through some very core emotions of my own, where I was going through a breakdown of my own. So it was a really hard thing for me to even contemplate doing all these things. So now, um, there was my brother, who now doesn't know the truth yet. My parents, who are in this really agitated state. My brother wanting to know why mum's upstairs crying for a whole week. Right, and uh, my brother's 25. I'm 35. Now, three months later, I went to my brother and I said, um, "Have mum and dad told you um, the truth yet?" And I knew that they hadn't. Uh, and uh, and he said, "Oh no, but I think I know what it is." And I said, "Oh, what do you think it is?" "Oh, oh you know, um, dad's not my dad." But, He'd known all that time in his heart, right? Because of the way he was treated by my parents. Right? And it caused him so much confusion because he could see he was being treated totally differently than the rest, than, than myself and my sister, Jenny. So Joel went in this state where he, he understood things really rapidly. Right? Now, my father refused to speak to me from seven years for seven years as a result of that. Right? My mother got very, very upset with me for three years, and my brother didn't speak to me for three years either. <coughs> Why didn't your brother speak to you? Uh, because he felt um, that, that uh, I was too open with the truth, and he felt ashamed of himself being the product of an affair, which of course is his mother's shame that he was unwilling to experience, and in fact still has not experienced. He refuses to experience that shame. That is a part of mum's emotions that were passed down to him. So instead of experiencing that shame, he wanted to get angry with me, which is what he did. And it took him three years to work through that. Right? Now, my feelings were that it was all great. <laughs> because, firstly, I gave every single person an opportunity to experience the truth. And I didn't make the choice for them which is an act of love. When you make a choice for someone else, it's no longer an act of love. Can you see why? It's no control. So if I make the choice to not tell you the truth, I am actually controlling you. Because I feel you're not going to cope with the truth, right? So what am I making? I'm making a decision for you. 
I'm saying that you're not going to cope with truth, so I'm not going to tell you it. I'm making a decision for you. And what am I doing? I'm harming your free will doing that. You have complete control over your life, which means that when you find out the truth, you have complete control and responsibility for everything you choose to do as a result of knowing that truth. And I'm not responsible for any of that. So this is why I've said, right, remember, right back at the first time you met me, most of you, a lot of you, it was you low here in January, right? And I sat down with you, the first truth I need to tell you was who I am. Why did I have to do that? Because if we got to this stage, and then I started saying to you, oh, by the way, I'm Jesus, how would you react to that? Wouldn't you feel duped and lied to and deceived and all these different feelings you would have? And in fact, you'd be justified in having them because I made a decision for you. I made it, if I had not told you then, I would, have, I would have made a decision for you that you couldn't cope with that. Right? That you couldn't cope emotionally with that truth. And in doing that, I'm in error. You follow me? And as soon as I'm in error, I'm, my connection with God's lost now. So it's very important for you to do the same thing. Stay in the truth at all times with all of your reactions and interactions. Yeah. I'm quite confused now because before when you were talking about when you told your mother, um, you know, your son or brother. Yeah. Because I also told my brothers something that had happened. Yeah. And then my brothers went to my brother-in-law because he knew the truth. Yeah. So what's the emotion you're feeling? Do you want to come down and share it? Can you see why? It's their control. So if I make the choice to not tell you the truth, I am actually controlling you. Because I feel you're not going to cope with the truth, right? So what am I making? I'm making a decision for you. I'm saying that you're not going to cope with the truth, so I'm not going to tell you it. I'm making a decision for you. And what am I doing? I'm harming your free will doing that. You have complete control over your life, which means that when you find out the truth, you have complete control and responsibility for everything you choose to do as a result of knowing that truth. And I'm not responsible for any of that. So this is why I've said, right, remember, right back at the first time you met me, most of you, a lot of you, it was Yudlow here in January, right? And I sat down with you, the first truth I need to tell you was who I am. Why did I have to do that? Because if we got to this stage, and then I started saying to you, oh, by the way, I'm Jesus, how would you react to that? Wouldn't you feel duped and lied to and deceived and all these different feelings you would have? And in fact, you'd be justified in having them because I made a decision for you. I made it, if I had not told you then, I would, have, I would have made a decision for you that you couldn't cope with that. Right? That you couldn't cope emotionally with that truth. And in doing that, I'm in error. You follow me? And as soon as I'm in error, I'm, my connection with God's lost now. 
So it's very important for you to do the same thing. Stay in the truth at all times with all of your reactions and interactions. Yeah. I'm quite confused now because before when you were talking about when you told your mum um, you know, you're saying your brother. Yeah. Because I have also told my brothers something that had happened. Yep. Yeah. And then my brothers went to my brother in law because he knew the truth better. Yeah. But then they turned it all back on me. Yep. Like the one brother. Yep. Who believes me. Yep. And understood everything. Yep. But these others weren't like they couldn't even tell me or they tried to stop me getting my brother's figure. I was able to do So what's the emotion you're feeling? Do you want to come down and share it? You don't know if you can? You don't have to if you don't want to. What was your name? Christine. Christine. Christine's being very brave. So yeah, thanks. come on, Christine. sharing it with them. That is now telling them the truth. And of course then they've gone to my brother-in-law and and I got this email from him. Yeah. And I was just, I haven't spoken since because I was shattered. Yeah. Because it was like they were sort of blaming me that I'm not coping with what had happened. Yeah. And actually in fact I was, I felt I was coping so well that I could speak the truth. truth. And yeah say what had gone on, but now I've had no contact with these boys. So what's the emotion you're feeling now, mostly? grief about? Well, it's sad because it was my sister-in-law, I think, that actually instigated a lot of this. Right. Because I did ask my brother not to tell her, because I said I felt until it's worked through, it's yeah. it's a family thing. Right. And I didn't want to, she, she thought a lot of my father. Yeah. And I didn't want to shatter that for her, but my brother did share it with her. Yeah. And I feel for my children because they've got no family, yeah. like no grandparents, they've got no... Yeah. They've just got no one. Yesterday was hard because I feel like if I die, they've got no one. Yeah. I want to turn to not even their father. Yeah. It's close by and has nothing to do with them. So, yeah. so I ran into the bush this morning to work because I didn't want to confront yeah. the father that's supposed to come back. That's beautiful you feel like Now, what happens when we start telling the truth and facing the truth is the emotion starts flying, flowing. The emotional 
causes. So for, for Christine now, what's actually happening is this beautiful process of all of these emotions that you've been holding on for all this time, you know, of like everyone living a lie around you and nobody being there for you, nobody feeling for you and everyone, you know, all the ones that have loved you have left basically and there's no one who listens to you. All of those emotions, because you're telling the truth, are all now just coming up one after the other. And the key is to be brave enough now to actually, and have the courage now to actually experience those emotions. Do you follow me? And that's what you're doing right now. And that's, that's, that's a really beautiful thing from God's perspective. Because now what you're doing is letting those emotions flow. And as those emotions flow out of you, what's happening is that you are now leaving space for God to, to, to begin feeling God's love into you. If you kept a hold on these emotions and didn't tell the truth, what would be happening is you'd be locking up all of these emotions. Because it was really tired yesterday, it was really sore, yeah. and it was difficult sitting even yesterday. Yeah. And it's beautiful now that you're just letting yourself connect with those emotions. And my, my suggestion is, like, you don't even have to listen to the rest of the day, really. All you need to do <laughs> is just let yourself feel what you're feeling right now. Because that's the whole goal of this, is to just connect with the truth, and to experience it emotionally, just exactly what you're doing. Right? Nothing different to what you're doing. You're doing it exactly right. right. Now, everyone's response to you is their response. And people's response, by the way, is often going to be in error. Right? And if you have an expectation that it's going to be in truth, you're going to be severely disappointed in most cases. It's only after time when they work through their emotions that their response will be different. Right? Well, you think, you think even, like when I first told you who I was, many of you went home in a really agitated state, right? And because there was all this stuff percolating up and it took you time to work your way through that, even. And it's the same with what you, you've told your whole family, huge truths, but in doing that, you're facing them yourself. Right? And in facing them yourself, your emotion is now flowing. And that's great. That's what it needs to happen. And they're not. And, and that I was, you know, it just seemed like I was at fault. And, I, and then, of course, I started, but it had not been for my sister sharing. But these are all causal emotions you need truth. to feel. That's yeah. good. You I knew need. that it was the truth, that yeah. everything did happen as it happened, that it wasn't all in our In your heads. In our heads. Like you were brainwashing the feeling. Yeah. 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 It was just, I was just hard. They're, you know, they're really lovely people, but they just can't get through their own, their own... Yeah, but the truth is how, and again, I have to say this to everyone, you might be thinking your family are really lovely people and whatever else, but honestly... <laughs> lovely people face their own emotions. On that topic, do we choose our parents before we come here? No, they not? choose you. They choose us. Okay. So, so lovely people face their emotions. Do you understand that? Yes. Your best friends are not going to be your family if they're not facing their emotions. Mm. The people who are going to be, like I said, and this is something that I said quite often in the first century too, by the way. My father, my mother, and my sister, and my brother are those who follow the word of God and do it. Right? They are my parents, they are my sisters, they are my brothers. My family is only my family, really, if 
they follow my father's laws. Right? We have one parent, our father God, right? and she's our mother, and we need to understand that we are all just sisters and brothers. And if, if and the ones of us who are following those laws and following those principles are going to be the closest. So what you need to do is get some surrogate family. Some surrogate family who are actually loving God's laws and who want to live in truth and who don't want to punish you for telling the truth. And you need to come to love them as your own family and help your children do the same. That's what you need to do. Because when you do that, you will find that the real feelings that you have, the feelings that you have, uh, you know, that'll trigger a lot of feelings about, you know, not having family, and it'll bring up a lot of issues as well, of course, in the process, which is very healing for you, and you need to grieve about those issues. But when you do that, what will happen is you will end up with this close group of people who you know love you for you, and who are brave enough to face any of their own emotions. That's what you learn about. And where do we find these people? <laughs> <laughs> right here. <laughs> my feelings so I was are. Joking. I, I know, but my feelings are that anyone who loves truth is automatically a friend. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not saying I have any enemies. I'm just saying the ones that I feel the closest to are the people who are willing to emotionally experience their own truth. Uh, and you'll find that too in your own life once you come to love truth automatically you'll start attracting people around you who seem to love truth as well. And you'll enjoy that so much. And, and there'll be some relationships you have that you'd never dream possible of having with people because you're all loving the truth. And it's beautiful that you're loving the truth. And it's beautiful that you're allowed to experience, and you're allowed to experience these emotions. These emotions have been locked up for a long time, eh? And it's beautiful that you're feeling interesting. <laughs> taking an action out of need, or out of fear, or out of a desire to get something from someone, if you're taking any of those actions, then what you're actually doing is not loving them. So I'm not suggesting that you take those actions. But I am saying to you that if you take the action out of love, you will always want to express the truth in any given situation. So that means you will never avoid the truth. 
You will never run away from the truth. You will never try to make the truth seem what it isn't. Right? And you will explain the truth to people who may be confused. Now, your father, your real father, is afraid to face the truth of his own action. Mm -hmm. Alright? So, if he was my father, I'd be sitting down with him saying, Dad, you're afraid to face the truth of the fact that I'm your child. Now, while that's the case, it's very, very hard for me to compromise with you and have a relationship. Mm. Face the truth that I'm your child right, in your life. And then we can have a full relationship where I'm not feeling bad for the, your other children because I'm worried about what they're going to think of me going out with you to have dinner. Face the truth of that relationship. Now, I'm not at that. If you're doing that, you're not pressuring to do anything. You're just saying that you need to face your own truth, and that is, is my dad really loving me while he denies me? Now, for most of you, most of you put up with people denying you, right? Because if you face the truth of that, you might have to leave them, and you don't want to leave them because it all feels secure and whatever else. All right. But the truth is, if somebody is denying you, denying your emotions, are they really loving you? Right? They're not. Now, I'm not saying that you have to then need them to do all of this. You, but you need to, at some point, ask yourself, why am I allowing this situation to occur that's not in truth? And it's always a fear. But I'm the one that saw him out. He Immaterial. Honestly. Coming to his life, I feel like I've taken that view relationship with him. Um, <coughs> so now you're justifying his behaviour. Mm -hmm. And it's not until you ask for your needs that you can actually then come up with a truth to like a, or a boundary or a truth for yourself that you will do whether you will continue a relationship or leave yeah, a relationship. I, I don't feel them as boundaries or anything like that. All I do is feel like if I loved myself what would I do here? Mm. And if I loved myself in your situation I would want an open relationship, a truthful relationship with my father. The Four o'clock, it's ten past. Oh, I don't know what to do with this. Give us all detention. It's hard, hard to go to a free place to get detention. It's the only to punish everybody. Yeah, I'm into punishment actually. I think, I think I'll punish you by withdrawal, from silent treatment. <laughs> ten, ten minutes of silent treatment. <laughs> and one thing I would like to do is just talk to you about uh, some emotional projections I've been receiving while I've been talking about truth. Is that alright? Well, it's too bad if it isn't. So. Um, <laughs> One strong emotion coming from some of you is this feeling that when I'm speaking of truth, that you're feeling I'm judging you. And so many of you have this feeling of being judged when I'm talking about truth. Now, I don't feel that emotion about this subject with anyone. Right? So, so if you're feeling that feeling of judgment, look within yourself. Because what you'll find is that it's driven by an emotion of personal shame. So in other words, there's times in your life where you have been untruthful and you feel that my comments are judging those times. You follow me? Yeah. 
And because you feel that judgment, that what I'm saying is a judgment, then I get a projection of anger or resistance back from you. Alright? So if you can own that, if you can see that you're judging yourself in reality, you're actually being ashamed, you're feeling guilt or shame about being, you know, not telling your truth or not being in truth through different events in your life, and you can relook at those events and just ask yourself, well, what emotions am I feeling? If I'm feeling shame, then there's unresolved emotions that I feel attached to those events. Let yourself feel those unresolved emotions attached to those events. And what will happen inside of you then is you won't feel that I'm judging you when I'm speaking the truth to you. Does that make sense to everyone? And uh, that will also help me with my voice closing up because I'm responding to a worthiness issue. Because <laughs> when I get this projection of judgment back at me that I'm, you know, this projection of anger, my, my feeling is I need to start shutting down now and just walking away. That's the feeling that I get sometimes. And I'm just trying to fight that. So I've got this, this congestion in my throat as a result of that. Does that make sense? So I've got an emotion to work through with that as well. Yeah. Alright, well let's go back to uh, some of these qualities of Divine Truth, shall we? We were down to uh, only the fourth one, actually. <laughs> it's progressing really well. <laughs> divine Truth, with all its power and knowledge, will not compel a man to accept itself with, with, against his will. Do you understand what I mean by that? What I mean is that no matter how much in a truthful place you are, you will never want to force another person to be in that same place. And if you feel like you want to force another person to be in the same place, you are not in a space of love. You follow me? So how many times do you say to yourself, oh, I wish my husband would do that. <laughs> or I wish my wife would do that. You are actually out of harmony with divine truth when you do that. Right? Because what you're actually saying is that you're, wanting, you're having a feeling that they should be compelled in some way to do with their stuff. And what is God's feeling? They have free will. They're allowed to hold on to their stuff and feel its pain as long as they want. This is one of the reasons why religions go to war. So, is that in harmony with divine truth? No. Obviously not. So, would a, you know, would a person with a certain religious belief actually be in harmony with love if they decide to actually compel another person with a different religious belief to change their mind? And do you even really change a person's mind like that? I think so. Uh, gun to your head. Change your mind. <laughs> Otherwise I'll blow it away. Right? That's really what's happening, isn't it, a lot of times? And the, the spirit passes in that condition, and what are they feeling? They're feeling more anger, more rage, more disharmony with the person who was just trying to compel them. You will never want to compel another person against their will once you're in harmony with divine truth. So, when I'm saying to things like, I said the truth to my brother, I didn't say it so that he has to accept it. I said it because I love the truth and the truth is the principle. I'm not compelling him to accept it. And for three years he didn't. And that's okay too. And he can try to punish me for that for three years. That's okay too. So you pretty much say it and leave them with it. 
Yeah. Yeah. The truth is such a powerful, beautiful thing. You'll find this in your own life. The moment you start telling yourself the truth, emotions will just flow. You know, one after the other after the other. You'll wonder where, where how you started this whole, whole process of emotional flow. You know, and and it all begins just from saying the truth. Um. I confess I find social interaction quite difficult because even with simple things I will say what I think I believe or I do believe at that particular moment and then have sometimes quite quickly a realisation, uh-oh, that, that's not exactly right. But the other person who's received that got what I believe that that particular moment, and then I've had a realisation that yep. that's not exactly right, and I want to get it right. Yep. What, how, how do you deal with that when you're, you're seeking to do the right thing, you're seeking to go with divine truth, you're seeking towards, but you're also dealing with your own error and you're dealing with your own frailty, for want of a better way of putting it? Well, one, one thing about truth is that truth allows you to make mistakes. In fact, down, uh, down in the list somewhere, uh, where is it? The individual's knowledge of divine truth is eternally progressive. Right? In other words, you're going to always, this is on page three, top of page three. And related to that, personal truth is always eternally progressive. Now, if we have a feeling that, oh, I knew a truth today, today I had a huge realisation, and tomorrow my truth is totally different. This is going to happen to you all the time, right? Yes. And then you feel like now you've got to go back and correct all the times <laughs> when, when you didn't know the truth, right? And, and so what that creates, that is driven by a fear inside of you that you're not allowed to make mistakes. Every single one of you is allowed to make mistakes. Because guess what? You're not God. You're not God. You're allowed to make mistakes too, AJ. Yeah, I'm allowed to make mistakes. Right? And that's one of the things I had to come to terms with, is I'm allowed to make mistakes. And you have to come to terms with the fact you're allowed to make mistakes. And you're allowed to be in error today and in more truth tomorrow. And whatever happened error today was the result. Whatever happened to you today, the results of the law of compensation, the law of law of attraction, was already correcting you today, so that you could arrive at a new truth tomorrow. You understand? No, you, know, you don't have to go back and pay for it all now, but you will feel certain compulsions associated with a new truth. So, for instance, uh, all of you have heard of Luther, right? Right, the founder of the Lutheran religion. Luther, when he was on earth, told some truths, and he also taught people some untruths. Right? Now, when he passed into the spirit world, a lot of, by the way, a lot of the untruths were about women. He, he, was quite, um, he had quite some negative viewpoints about women. Do you realise this? No? A lot of people don't realise how negative he was about women. And a lot of those truths had to be corrected, right, once he passed. What's an example of what he said? Oh, he said that uh, a woman's only good for the home um, and to satisfy the man, a man's sexual needs. And he believed that quite strongly. Yeah. 
So he had some very, um, very strong chauvinistic beliefs, should we call them. He had some very strong racial prejudices as well. And he's now my, by the way, he's a spirit friend of mine in the celestial kingdom. He's in the, he's in the spheres above the eighth sphere. Now, what he had to do was come to terms with the fact that firstly he had taught large groups of people untruth. So let's say you realise you've taught all of these people untruth and then you come to a new knowledge of truth. What are you want to gain, going to want to do? Of course you want to correct that, don't you? So one of the things he feels he wanted to do was to correct some of the untruths. And he has been trying to do that through channeling and through other things. I'm confused. Did he know he was saying untruths at the time? Like, well, no, he found was, At the time, that was his truth. That, at the mm. time, it was his truth. Because yeah. you've got me here as well with the, um, the personal truth is limited. Yes. So, but then it's progressive. So is it limited today that that can progress tomorrow? Um, it's limited in the sense that it's never going to be God's... It's never going to be infinite. <clears throat> so so your, your truth is limited to what you can understand right at this moment. In that way, it's limited. It can expand, and it will always be eternally progressive, right? In the sense that it will grow and grow and grow and grow if you remain open to divine truth. Your limited personal truth will grow into a new state and then into a new state. But at any one point, it's not <coughs> infinite. It's always yeah, limited. Mold at, at this point, and what you said earlier, I have <coughs> an understanding that my personal truth can grow into being divine truth. Yes. In which then my personal truth in conjunction with divine truth can be infinite. No, it can't. It can't. No. Okay. Um, be aware that I'm saying that only God has divine <laughs> truth. And only God has the infinite divine truth. So in other words, every single tiny little detail of this universe is in God. That will never be in you. Oh, yeah, I see. You follow me? Yeah. But you can grow to know more and more and more and more and more by of that, that. By allowing that divine love to flow through you and therefore allowing the education to get be received by God. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. But you will never be God in the sense that you, you can yeah, never know yeah. exactly what God knows. <clears throat> Does everyone understand what I'm saying with that? You will never know exactly what God knows. Mm -hmm. But you will eternally progress towards what God knows. And that's why, like, in the, like there's a verse in the Bible, Ecclesiastes 3.11, saying, um, God has put eternal life into your heart so that you'll never find out what the true God has done. In other words, you're going to seek for the rest of your existence truth, and you'll never find out its complete beauty. But every single new thing you find out is just going to emotionally overwhelm you. Right? And that's the beauty. Yeah, so you never reach the end. You never reach the end. So, but, but your truth will grow through that process. But at any one point, compared to the infinite divine truth available to you, it is still limited. You follow me? Yeah. So that's what I mean by that. My pleasure. Um, let's have a look at some of these others. Um, uh, fourth one down on page two. Divine truth results in freedom. The truth will set you free. All right. A lot of people don't really believe this, right? What do a lot of people really believe? The truth gets you in trouble. The truth gets you in trouble. Right. 
truth doesn't set you free for most people. The truth they feel creates more burdens. But it's not truth that creates burdens, it's error that creates burdens. The divine truth really sets you free completely. And that's why I've said there that because they free you from error, they also free you from pain. Because remember, error is the cause of all pain. All emotional error is the cause of emotional pain. And also, even in your personal life, divine truth can result in freedom. For example, let's say a woman is being abused in her life, in her relationship, right? What's the truth she's not accepting? That she's worthy of more. Exactly. Yeah. She's not accepting or the truth. Worthy of just loving herself and not allowing to live in that sort of existence. She's not accepting the truth that her husband, who's saying, I love you, is actually, and it's not, I love you. Right? Because it's all just nothing words coming out of his mouth if he's abusing her. And she's not accepting the truth that he doesn't love her. Can you see that? Yeah. Now, because she doesn't accept the truth that he doesn't love her, she stays in a trapped relationship. So she's, what she's done is she's placed these bars around her life of all the emotions she doesn't want to experience. And what's one of these emotions is, I'm unworthy of love. Right? So she places these bars around her, and she's made a cage for herself. And because she's unwilling to face the truth, which is like destructing the cage, she remains in this state, this stagnant and trapped state. But as soon as she starts facing the truth, she realises in a sec, anybody who physically is violent towards me can't love me. It's impossible right, for them to be loving me. No matter what word is coming out of their mouth, they are not loving me. Right? And once she emotionally feels that he doesn't love me, she'll go through a huge emotion, won't she? She'll cry maybe for days or you know, a few days, and it might even connect it to some emotions <coughs> from her childhood of her father not loving her, and she'll cry her way through that, and why wasn't I worthy to be loved by my father, and all those kind of issues will start coming up, right, if she allows them. Once she's worked through all of that issue, what does she feel then? I'm lovable, and at that instant she realises that I don't need to stay in this relationship anymore. I'm worth more than this. And she leaves. Right? So what is it has to truth created for her? Freedom. Freedom. That's what truth does, even in your personal life if you accept it. Right? Divine truth, God's truth, creates this huge freedom. What will happen in the end is you can be able to express your free will in this awesome way that is totally unimaginable to you at the moment. And it will all be because you've lived in this state of truth and now your free will is able to be expressed completely. That's what divine truth does for you. It frees you completely. The next one. Divine truth results in a fearless existence. So any religious viewpoint that creates more fear right, or terror in you, like hellfire, like the teaching, I am eternally tormented for anything that I do on earth here. I have to pay for it in the spirit world. Common Christian belief, is it not? How many of you have been terrified of it as a child? Right? Lots of you would have been terrified as a child if you've been brought up with that belief. Any belief that creates that kind of terror is not God's truth. I don't care if it's written in the Bible or the Koran or any other holy book. If it creates that Fear, it is not God's truth. Right? 
that's how it is. So look really sincerely at beliefs that you're, that you're getting referred to. Example in a lot of religions is, if you don't do what we say, then you will be excommunicated from us. Now, what is that creating? And it's also saying that you're limited to our viewpoint. Would God ever say that to you? So it can't be divine. Because how are you ever going to learn a bit of the infinite truth if you're limited to your viewpoint? You're never going to learn infinite truth doing that, are you? So if truth is infinite, then it makes sense also that, that anything that I need to accept is going to expand from yesterday to today to tomorrow and, and so forth. Doesn't it? So if I'm having to feel at the moment that I'm locked in into a certain religious belief, and if I stay in this religious belief, what will happen is that I will actually have to, you know, if I, if I don't stay in it, I will have to be excommunicated from the church or I'll be treated badly by them or whatever else. Then there's issues of truth and there's issues of how I love myself involved in that transaction. You so, follow me? So in the, if you wanted to read the Bible, because I actually looked at pictures of the Bible when I was a child and yep. meant they were so scary, I just didn't ever want to open up the Bible ever again. Yep. It had to be stabbed and all sorts of things. Yep. Um, and also that it's not all truths and, and some, you know, but I've, I've always wanted to have a look through it, but I, but I don't because yep. of that. So read it, read it from this perspective. Okay. Anything that's in there that prevents God as a punishing God, as a fearsome God, as a... They're all just men's ideas. They're not anything about God whatsoever. Anything that presents, prevents, presents God as a God of love, God of care, and so forth, mercy, forgiveness, kindness, and all those kind of qualities, they're all truths. <coughs> Let yourself listen to those, because there's some beautiful things that the Bible says about all of those things. Like, my whole life was in the, in the first century was formed by what I read in the Hebrew scriptures of the Bible um, from those things from the psalmists and the prophets and all of those. So there's some really beautiful... I, like, I have a deep attachment to a lot of those writings because of how much it affected my life. Yeah. So allow yourself... Allow yourself to, uh, to connect emotionally to what you're actually feeling from the material. Yeah. Hey, Jane, in the first century, how did you... If you learned from those, how did you discern them? Which were the truths, because there would have been some untruths. When God's love is flowing through you, as soon as you, you can ask questions of God, like, and get responses, right? And you'll feel a resonance in your soul. The, the, the ones that resonate, you bring you to tears. So the truths that will resonate with you when, you when you're reading something will bring you to a place of, of, of you know, probably crying, being overwhelmed emotionally every single time. So every new truth that you receive from God, if it's resonating with, the God, with God's love and opens up your connection further, you will feel this overwhelming emotional experience and you will know in your heart that it's true. You won't need anybody to tell you either. But in the end what will happen is all of you at some point, and many of you might not believe this at the moment, but all of you at some point, once you become at one with God, will all believe the same thing. Right? Not because you trusted me or trusted somebody else to tell you it, but because you have experienced it. And so you know it to be true. Yeah. The next one I think is a really interesting one because it's a common belief. The truth does not hurt anyone or anything. 
So why am I in pain when I tell the truth? <laughs> What's happening? Are you yeah. feeling the other person's emotions? Not usually. If I'm in pain, I'm feeling my own emotions <laughs> generally. Letting go of, uh, of old beliefs. Of the error. Yeah. All error creates terrible, terrible emotions. Like all of the emotions you feel that you are trying to run away from have all been created by error. By emotions that you believe to be true but they have entered you inside of your heart. And when they come out of you, they feel like pulling out like barbs, arrows out of you. There is so much emotional pain associated with the error leaving you. And when the Apostle John was living on earth, he, he had this illustration passed to him from the Spirit. of He had a dog, his dog was called Sandy, and little Sandy was a little Jack Russell. And he had this dream one night where Sandy had been shot with barbs all over her, and she was had all these arrow-headed barbs all sticking into her. And... What would John do with all these arrows sticking in the sand? Now, he could just shoot the dog, but it's not a very loving act, is it? If he loves the dog, what would he do is he'd pull out each one, wouldn't he? Mm -hmm. But then he'd have to, like, each one is going to be painful coming out of her, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Each one, pull out one, she'd be whimpering and crying and feeling all these emotions, you know, feeling all these feelings. Then pull out another and she feel all these feelings of pain and hurt and all that. And they would pass and you pull out another. And that's exactly what God's doing to you. God is trying to pull out all of these emotional errors out of you. Right? And he's trying to do it in the most loving, caring possible way. But all emotional errors hurt. And when they release from you, and the only way they release is by you being in truth, it hurts. But it's not the truth that's hurting you. You understand? It's the emotional error leaving you that's hurting you. A lot left me last night because I had heart attack pains. Yep. Nearly in the ambulance and the whole bit. Yep. So that's an emotional, emotional release happening. The key is to, they're all caused by grief. So the key now is to connect more to that grief because there's more there. So, so allow yourself to connect to that grief and experience that grief. Right? And then as you do that, you'll find that the feelings will de, de intensify, you know, they'll go down. Thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And you notice I've mentioned a few things like, uh, how many of you have been asked, see you later, how many of you have been asked, oh, am I overweight? <laughs> do you think I'm overweight? And, and what do you say to the person, particularly if it's a lady asking the question? <laughs> you see, what happens with those kind of questions is, what is the person really wanting? Reassurance. They're wanting lies, yeah. <laughs> Let's be blunt. They want lies because they do not want to feel the truth. So it, it is alright if I would say, yeah, yeah, you want, you're fine, yes, it's okay? No. No. The truth is, what do you feel? <coughs> is the person overweight? Do you but feel the person is? You said we should accept, you know, everybody has different opinion. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're allowed your opinion too. Oh, okay. And if I'm asked my opinion, uh -huh. then I'm allowed to give it. Do I, like if a lady comes up and she's overweight, and I say, well, yes, you are overweight. Do you know why? 
<laughs> it's because of this shame emotion that you're holding on to that's affecting this area here, and it's, and it's this. Do you know what I mean? Like, we can talk about that then, can't we? Right? Like, you will find as you deal with your emotions, your weight will just fall off you. It will. You're holding on to emotion. You're holding on to weight because you're holding on to emotions if, if you're feeling overweight. Let's be honest about it. Right? There's all these taboo subjects, isn't there? Like so historically, what have you been told? It's not kind to say that. But what's the kindest thing? The kindest thing is to trigger the emotion inside of a person to help them release it so they no longer hold on to it anymore. That's the kindest thing. about fashion. Yes, everybody has, you know, different style, dress yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. And we can have different opinions on that, you know. Of course. Yeah, how could I say, you know, oh, no, you dressed awful, you know. What well, you say is my opinion, you're dressing awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to take my opinion. No, that's okay. And to be honest with you, if I had some self-worth and self-love, I wouldn't even care to ask you for your opinion about how I'm dressing. Okay. Do, it's do, a, it's do okay, okay to soften okay. the edge a little bit, though, surely. You know, yeah. you could say to the person... Yes, and be quite honest as well. Because if the person's wearing all the wrong colours together, you can say, well, they're not colours that I would wear, but if you're happy with those colours, then yes, they're, they're, they're fine. Then that would be truthful, but it would still be saying that I don't really like those colours together. No, you're not really saying Yes, I do. No, you're not. They're not, not what I would choose for myself. So say that. So, yes. Because I don't that. think that they would suit me. But why not tell her the truth? She's asked you for her opinion. Tell her the truth of how you feel. Why not tell her the truth? Because you know why? Because you're afraid of her emotional response. Yes, I don't. And if you're basing your response on fear, what are you doing? Yeah. Are you loving the person if you're basing response on fear? No, no you're not. Alright? So, and this is, gets back to the previous comment I made. You want to embellish the truth, you want to make it more comfortable and more palatable. Honestly, you've got no idea if you feel that way. Because, from God's perspective, the truth is already the most beautiful thing she has created. The truth is what sets you free. It's the most beautiful thing God has created. You can't embellish it. You can think you can, but you're really just thinking that you're better than God. That's all you're feeling. The truth is, the truth being stated exactly as you feel it right in that instant is exactly the thing the person who's asking you the question needs. Mm -hmm. And deep down that person's actually worried about it, so they're actually seeking yes, the truth. Yeah. They, yeah, deep down they're worried about it. They're seeking their addiction to be satisfied. And what you're doing by telling them the truth is not satisfying their addiction and allowing them to connect with the emotion, which is the thing that's going to lead them closer <coughs> to God. Alright? So by speaking, speaking the truth in every single instance, what you're actually doing is you're helping the person to actually connect to the emotional resistances they have with God. Every single time. And you can't embellish that. You can't make it better than it is. The truth is just so beautiful that eventually you'll come to just love it for itself. And that's even the truth of your own opinion. And you're allowed your own opinion. Even when you're a celestial spirit, you're going to be allowed to have your own opinion. So another celestial spirit comes along and says, you reckon I look pretty cool today? <laughs> <laughs> nah, not quite, baby. 
can wear what you want. That's fine. All right? You'll have no trouble with that. That's called variety, and if you would accept variety, but it's not what you need to accept, right? You don't want it. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that you're not loving the person. And if they have an emotional response to your comment, what's the issue? They want your approval. Exactly. They're wanting or needing something from you. Right? And if you give it to them, what are you doing? You're just enabling them to stay in, away from the feeling that they have just attracted for you to treat them. That's what you're doing. Is there any space not to say anything at all? Certainly. There are times when, like I said uh, in the first century, uh, that it's pointless to cast pearls before swine. And I wasn't judging people by that. What I was actually saying was that if a person is rejecting truth already, it's pointless for you to actually tell them more. Do you follow me? Right? Why bother casting more pearls of wisdom, which is all to do with truth, when the person's already rejected the ones you've just given them? I find this happening a lot in interactions in groups. Like somebody will ask me a question and I give them the answer. And then somebody asked me, no, but I don't think you understand what I was asking. And then they ask me a question in a different way. And I give them the same answer. And then they, don't, they say, no, no, I don't think you're under... What, what's really happening here? They want a different truth than what I've given them. That's all. And so what do I have to do then? I've just got to stop. I've got to stop. You don't want to accept my answer. That's fine. You're allowed to not accept my answer. That's fine too. But I'm just telling you the truth. And you can do exactly the same. You don't have to tell the truth constantly to people over and over and over again if they're rejecting it already. But give them the opportunity to reject it or accept it. And the only reason why we don't in most cases is because we are too afraid to experience our own emotions about their rejection. So it's a heartfelt intention. You have a heartfelt intention to be of service in truth. <coughs> and that's it. A heartfelt intention to live in love, which also means living in truth. I mean God's truth. Divine love, divine truth. A heartfelt intention to live in those spaces. When you have a heartfelt intention to live in those spaces, you won't be afraid of what other people feel about your truth. And if you are afraid, you will realise that there's an emotion inside of you that has yet to actually come to understand truth. So all of us at some point feel afraid about truth, don't we? Like some of you get into a state where it's... <laughs> I don't know if I can say this right. Because <laughs> you know even what the response is probably going to be in many cases, don't you? Right? You have this feeling, oh, the response is going to be this or the response is going to be that. And you sometimes don't know whether that's just your feeling or whether you know the person so well that you know they're going to respond a certain way, right? But honestly, in most cases, if you can just allow yourself to say the truth, whatever is in your heart, emotionally, will come out. Whatever is in their heart, emotionally, that's still locked up, will come out. And you'll have a much more truthful existence. And do you see a place like, I, I think the way we treat children is the way we should treat ourselves and our friends. You know, like, if people was a child, we'd tell them the truth too. And it was a difficult truth for a child. We would maybe sit them down and be gentle. Always. Yeah, and I think it's really important to think, okay, this may be a difficult truth for a friend, but I have an obligation, a loving obligation, to, to be 
to, to prepare them, not, not by softening the blow, I don't mean in a weak sense or by weakening it, but by actually consciously making sure we can, we can be gentle. But if I'm coming from a but if I'm coming from a loving space already, I'm automatically gentle, yeah. right? But be, don't confuse gentleness with 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 weakness, though, either, because the truth is a very powerful thing. It will have a huge, powerful effect on people that you tell it to, mm -hmm. right? And you, like, honestly, I've sat down with people with my arm around them and told them the truth, and for the next six months they haven't spoken to me, right? So what didn't they feel? They didn't feel the love I felt for them telling the truth. All they felt was this big emotional resonance, bang, and then off. And they can't handle that truth because they don't want to feel the underlying emotion. That's all it is. Sorry? No, no, I was, I was, I used in the, a lot of metaphors, right? In the, uh, and a lot of metaphors in, in the language I was using at the time is uh, where had double, all the words had double meanings, yeah. like wind had a similar meaning to spirit and so all these different words and swine has double meaning with other words as well, so you know there were all these double meaning words that I used. And again the reason why I did that was because back then if you said anything nice and straight and direct like I'm saying it to you now, most people just get angry and want to shoot you. <laughs> right? You. And so what I had to do is create a way back then in, way in which people could actually hear what I was saying and had to think about it first, right? Without responding straight away. Yeah, that's right, basically. And so, and so back then, a lot of a lot of the things I'm saying to you very directly now, I would have had to say back then in a way that caused you to go, oh, what he meant by that? You know, was he getting at me? Was he joking? Was he joking with me, or was he serious or what? Yeah. Whereas now, because more and more people are used to plain, direct speaking, it's a lot easier to give that plain, direct truth without having to um, put it in metaphors. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And you'll find that you'll do the same with people as you, you know, at the start you might have an illustration that you give them and, and that hope that they get it, but after a while, once the person's really wanting truth in their heart, you will be able to just say it straight as it is. Right. So you'll be able to say, you know, the feeling I'm getting from you is that you just, you know, you just don't love your husband at all, actually. That's the feeling I'm getting from you, you know. And you'll be able to say that. And you'll also be able to accept that you might be wrong. Right? You won't feel, you won't feel bad if you're wrong. Hey, Jenny, is it good to give, like, you know, I have sort of some perceptions about a friend which I feel I think is and the area of this is I suppose if there is any gray area in terms of how we feel about things generally is that we, when we when a person's not asking for it we then go down the track of saying well I don't know if I should really give it to them yeah. mm -hmm. but the thing I feel about truth is this how does a person ever find out the truth if they don't know the truth in the first place <coughs> like, if nobody comes along and actually volunteers to give it to them. Do you know what I mean? No, it's, pretty, it's very hard-hitting and I know I should be incredibly upset. Right. So, really it's a fear, but within you, you firstly need to feel. Yeah, about our friendship. Yeah. About losing the friendship. My feelings about friendship are this. When I love the person as much, you know, completely, 
I will actually never be afraid of losing their friendship, ever. Right? So obviously, if I'm afraid of losing their friendship, there's yet my love for them is yet to be completed. And it usually is yet to be completed because of an emotion that I have within myself. So I'm afraid of losing their friendship. I like certain parts of their friendship and if they get upset with me and I don't get that anymore, I feel like I'm going to lose something precious. There's a lot of issues like that that are revolving around our telling the truth. But it's still our responsibility to offer that when you feel it is the truth. I'm not saying it's your responsibility. I'm not forcing you to offer it. What I'm saying is it is an act of love to offer it. You, you, everyone follows what I'm saying there. It's an act of love to offer the truth to somebody else, even if they're not at, asking for it at that moment. Right? It's an act of love to offer it, in love. And so I wouldn't go and tell her in an angry spirit, because that's not offering it in love. Right? I'd have to offer it in love to a person. And like nobody, usually every one of us needs help to find truth, right? That's generally the case. All of us need help to find the truth. So what we need to do is come to like the interchange with people that exposes our truth. We come to love that. Now, if I love a person enough, I won't, I'll be willing to risk my friendship with them for the sake of their happiness. I had a, can I just share an experience I had this morning? Exactly what you're saying there. And it's something that you said yesterday about... Um, um, there's no perfect time we're going to start dealing with our stuff, processing our stuff, no matter where we are. Yeah. I have a friend whose mother's recently died, and every time I run into her, it just comes out of my mouth. I say something about her mother, forgetting that her mother's died. Just died. Yeah. And I said to her today, I realised that, oh, I'm doing this every time, and I thought, this is happening because she obviously needs to deal with some more stuff about her mother. And so I brought it to her attention. Yeah. And, and I was saying that to her quietly, I said, look, at the moment, blah, 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 and this is going to keep coming out of my mouth, and this is the way it is. And she said, oh, you know, I don't want to deal with this right now. And I just, I didn't say anything after that. And within about three minutes, everyone at the table started looking at her bracelet and went, oh my God, that's the most beautiful bracelet. Where did you get that? And it was, the, it was something that her mother had left her. And it was just so in her face. Yeah. And, but they hadn't heard anything that we had said. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And nor had she. No. No. From no. in her heart. Yeah. No. yeah. And it's, isn't it funny how, like, at every, you'll find it in your own life, that every single situation you attract is there to actually expose that emotion that you're ready to experience. Otherwise, you wouldn't be attracted. And we often say, oh, I'm not ready <laughs> for that. But the truth is, ah, like, you wouldn't be attracting it if you aren't ready for it. So you're attracting it already, experience it. Um, I've had experience with a couple of guys that have got sort of like sexually predative kind of behaviour. Yep. And I'm just wondering if like, it's taking away their free will to have an experience with a woman, even if it's abusive, like, so they can learn. If I go and warn women not to be with them because they're not very nice. You, the experience you've had of sexual predative behaviour is due to your law of attraction. There's an emotion from your childhood about men and their behaviour that you are yet to release. When you release that emotion, what will happen is you'll no longer attract men who are predators sexually. The, in, in terms of protecting other people about it, well that is your choice or your decision. 
bear in mind there's also a law of attraction at work in every case. Yeah, so you can, like you can tell a thousand women, and those thousand women, if there's 500 of them, or three, even probably not that many, but if there's like 50 of them who are attracting that kind of behaviour, they will still attract them, unless they are fully willing to experience that emotion. So, yeah, it's the emotion, remember, that solves all the problems. Experiencing it is the thing that solves all the problems. That's the truth. Let's go on to this the next one. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to say on this lies thing. There are emotional penalties on your soul for wanting to believe a lie. And the emotional penalty is always painful. Right? So when you want to believe a lie, you are actually... So, you know, some people say, do you want to know if your husband cheated on you today? How many people would put up their hand and say, no, not really, I don't want to know. A lot actually do that. Right? Now, why, don't they, why do they want to believe a lie? <coughs> they won't have to deal with the emotion. And you, can you see the link? If you want to believe a lie, you don't want to deal with the emotion. And when you don't want to deal with an emotion, there's an automatic penalty. You're making a choice that's going to result in pain. You follow me? Right? Every time you make a choice that's going to result in pain, and we often do this, we're actually not loving our soul. It's an interesting thought when you think about it. Alright, divine truth does not allow the lie no matter what the price. Um, who's been in a position where their husband or wife has cheated on them and there are people around them that knew and nobody told them? Have any of you been in that position? Yeah, quite a few, eh? How did that feel? Betrayed was found out. Yeah, total betrayal of, of friends and so forth, isn't it? It just felt really bad. Now, bear in mind that you attracted it. So there's some issues to work your way through emotionally. Right? But what I'm saying is that if I'm a friend of a person and I see her husband cheating on her with somebody else, if I love her in my heart, and if I love him in my heart, I would firstly go to him, wouldn't I, and say, you need to be open and truthful. Right? And not because of any other... I'm not forcing you to believe. I'm just saying, if you're not open and truthful, I'm going to be open and truthful because that's my responsibility to God, to be open and truthful. Right? And I will stay in that truth. And so when he gets angry and upset with me, that's too bad. I'm going to stay in this truth, no matter what the price. I'm going to lose your friendship, that's too bad. I'm sad about that, but... And if you are sad about it, have a cry. But I'm, I'm, nowadays I'm not sad about that anymore, right? Because once you cry out all those emotions, once you feel the grief of losing friendships because they don't want to be in truth, then that emotion's free from you. And you don't worry about that anymore. It's, it's not a part of you anymore. And so you would say the truth also to your friend, right? <laughs> How many of you feel that you shouldn't say anything to your friend? It's their business. Yeah. I suppose too, people have the fear that it will backfire and they'll end up still together and you just look like the idiot that 
tried to... So what do you learn in that process? That they're not ready to hear the truth. Exactly. And are they going to be good friends if they can't hear the truth? No. Okay. And you need to go through that emotion of feeling the loss of good friends because you spoke the truth. Do you follow me? There's an emotion that's going to come up there. Right. So I've lost many good friends about speaking the truth. Right. People who I've loved. Right. But obviously they didn't love the truth. Do you follow me? And how are you ever going to be a permanent friend to somebody who hasn't got this permanent connection with God wanting truth? In the end it's going to fluctuate, ebb and flow, isn't it? So one moment they'll be in truth, everything will be fine, then they'll get into some error, and if you both, you know, one of you is in error, then obviously everything's not going to be fine in that period of time. And then they'll get back into truth and come back to you later on. Who's had that happen? Where they've told somebody something, they've got really upset, worked through it emotionally and then come back afterwards. That means that they have learnt some of the lessons of truth yeah, and face some of those emotions. But the truth never allows a lie, not knowingly. Do you know what I mean? So if you know somebody is lying right now and you allow them to continue doing it, and I don't mean you allow them in the sense of like you've got control over them, I mean you allow the lie itself to continue unopposed. You follow me? So I'm not talking about opposing the person. I'm not talking about judging the person. I'm just <coughs> saying the lie itself is an object in its own right. It's an emotion now being passed through all of your surroundings, all through your environment. And what do emotions of lies create? Pain. They all create pain. You follow me? The only, it's only the emotions based around truth and love that create bliss. So every time you allow the lie, this object called a lie, to exist, you are allowing, in fact, pain to exist. And the key is to see that. Michelle, well, your first comment is spot on. Of course you go to the person who's doing the act and say, look, I don't feel we can have a truthful relationship while you're not having truthful relationships yourself. So obviously if you're willing to lie to your wife, you're certainly willing to lie to me. So, you know, I don't feel that we can have a truthful relationship. But in the end, like, would, would even a loving space be to reject the person under no matter what they're doing? So I'm not talking about rejecting the person. I'm just talking about saying the truth. Right? So I would never go to a person and say, oh, I'm not going to be your friend because you're doing this. That's a judgment, isn't it? It's a judgment, and it's also a condemnation and a rejection. And I, why, why would I want to do that? All I want to do is go to them and say, look, you're not telling the truth, and I'm, I'm here because I, like, I love the truth. And as your friend, I, I love you so much that I'm willing to tell your truth to everyone. People get really upset with me. <laughs> because they feel nothing's private. And uh, yeah, that's a big, that is a big issue. Honestly, in the spirit world, nothing is private. Nothing. Did you not think that at the moment every single skeleton in your closet is known by actually 
thousands of people if they wanted to know. Every single spirit in this room knows every single skeleton in your closet. Huh? Right from the ones who are still practicing evil, right to the ones who are celestial and are in a state of love. They all know your skeleton. Of course they do, because all of these spirits know them. And of course at some point they're going to try and tell someone else them. Right? And particularly if they're manipulative or controlling, rather than helping you deal with their emotion, they'll tell someone else them. So why do you want to protect all your skeletons in your closet? Because of an unresolved emotion that you don't want to feel. That's all. That's all it is. Where's the free will there, though? They go and tell somebody else. Where's the free will for this person? The free will is I'm allowed to feel an emotion in you, and I'm allowed to go and tell this person over here. You realise that you know Carol's got this emotion where she over nurtures people. <laughs> <laughs> She's totally in denial about it. <laughs> I'm, allowed, I'm allowed to say those things. I have free will, don't I? I'm allowed to say those things. I've got to look sincerely at why I'm saying those things to class. You know, like, what's my purpose? Now, if my purpose is to helping through a personal truth, then that's a loving purpose. Here's a good example. Here, talk to this lady. She's feeling the same feeling you're feeling. You might be able to connect or whatever, you see? That's my purpose. If my purpose is just to make you feel bad, then straight away my intention has broken a law of God anyway. And straight away there's a law of compensation effect on my soul if my intention was bad. So look at your intention of doing that. What's your intention? But in the end, yes, actually every single thing in your soul, every single thing you have done, every single thing you're ashamed of, there are literally hundreds of people who know about it. And when you pass in the Spirit, this is one very confronting issue that most people have when they pass. They realise, hang on a sec, all my emotions are naked. <laughs> and every single thing I've ever done is naked to every single person around me. You imagine that. If you've got issues of shame, what's going to come up straight away? Lots of shame. Why not do it now? Get over that now. <coughs> Get into this space now where you're totally open, totally free, totally able to be yourself without reservation, totally able to talk about anything you want, right? Without being worried or keep, you know, having to worry about what other people are thinking or feeling about it all. Why not get into that space now? When you pass, you're going to breeze through it. You're just going to breeze through it. You're say, oh, this is breeze, this is fantastic. I don't have to work anymore. I don't have to, you know, do, well, you do work at a different time, but, you know, I don't have to, you know, make meals anymore, I don't have to care for this anymore, and I've got this total freedom, and not only that, all of these emotions are gone from me, and I just feel fantastic. Mm. Why not be in that place in now? That brings up in me a deep feeling of gratitude for you, that the information that you're taking the time to share, me personally and the rest of the group, allows me to take the time to... Not avoid that shame you were just talking about that that, that particular issue, although that yep. really deeply affected me. Yep. But you know, you're. I'm saying thank you. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. I get a chance now to resolve my stuff. Time. There's time to resolve yeah. my stuff. Yeah. And that's it. That's that's the beauty of all of this. If you're brave enough to do all of this now, you're just going to have a free existence now. 
Like, you know, very shortly in this life, physical life, imagine that, just having a free existence even now. And then when you pass, not having to deal with all this crap the majority of people have to deal with in their past. You know, when, when the Karen's finished typing the post-mortem journal, right, we'll send it out because the first six or seven chapters in that, he's just, you know, Lawrence of Arabia is just dealing with one emotion after another emotion after another emotion after another emotion. And, and he's just like constantly overwhelmed by this process of emotional awakening. And, and you won't have to experience any of that because you've already experienced it now. And you'll be in this space where you're already emotionally awakened. And it's a beautiful space to live in. You don't have to feel, you don't have to feel constrained by anything. The truth is just freedom. It's beautiful. When you read what he wrote in the journal though, what I... Uh couldn't help feeling was, I mean, he, he had no concept of the divine love path no. and the, the tiny amounts of gain that he made over years and years of effort. Yeah. You think, wow, how fortunate to, to actually no, know about that yeah. before you ever get into yeah. those levels where, you know, just just the tiniest improvement in, in, in his consciousness took him so much effort and so much pain and he wasn't even within a universe of knowing about divine love no. or anything like that. No, that's right. So it's, it's really beautiful to know these secrets, really, right? Because they don't have to be secrets anymore. Like they've never, they've never God's purpose for these to be secrets. But they are, have become secrets because everyone wants to stay away from truth. Right? So if you come to love truth, what happens is that all of these emotions will just flow, you'll get into this state of bliss, eventually you'll get into the state of abundant with God. It might take a few years, it might take five, next five years of your life dealing with emotions. In that process, you're expanding your soul, you're getting to know yourself, you're getting to know everyone around you truthfully. Everyone around you, every single interaction becomes truthful. Every single interaction, there's no lying that's going on, there's no disharmony going on. And then, and then as that building and building, you get into the state of abundant where now you're in bliss, and everyone around you will notice you're in bliss. And they'll say, what do you got <laughs> that I haven't got? Right? And they'll just be attracted to you because of that thing that, that has now entered you to the point of the one with God. And they'll be just drawn to you because of that. Right? That's what's ahead of all of you. This, this beautiful place of truth and love is ahead of you if you're brave enough to confront the emotions that are involved with accepting truth. Yeah, and accepting God's truth. Mm. Yeah. Now, is this just a, a gradual um, a sort of concept between where we are and where we hope to be? Is it somewhere on that upper scale that you can say we are in that bliss, or do you have to be right at the top? And if so, are there many, if any, people on earth living that life now? There's no one on earth living the life of, of abundant with God mm. right now. No. Very shortly there will be. Mm -hmm. And many of you won't take very long. You, you know, at the moment you're thinking it's a long way, 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 right? Many of you will not take very long to actually enter that state. Remember, there's the spheres, right, of the spirit world. Remember, that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and the seventh sphere transition. So the seventh sphere is the transition into the eighth sphere, and that's when you're at one. You can reach that condition here on Earth right now. By doing these processes of feeling your emotions, experiencing the truth, feeling God's truth into you, and being open and completely vulnerable <coughs> to all of your emotions. Right? You can get to that state 
within a very, very short period of time. Right? Spirits do it in the space of, like, once they're <coughs> dedicated to it all, do it in the space of our time in a few months, or six months, or twelve months. Bearing in mind, of course, there's no time there, from their perspective, right? They're immersed in the emotion. If you decide to immerse yourself in your emotion, you can be in this place of wonder. Now, what, what happened with Ramtha? Well, Ramtha was in the sixth sphere for 35,000 years and then made the transition into a one that, over a period of Earth time, in a few minutes. In terms of his timing, he went through lots of emotions right, to make that transition. Lots of emotions of self-reliance had to be lost and God-reliance had to be taken on board. So he actually went back to the third sphere and experienced emotions there and experienced emotions in the fifth that he'd missed and then progressed into the seventh and into a one but, but in terms of our time, it took a few minutes. Mm. Was that person you spoke about Lobsen Rampa? No, Rampa, who JZ Knight's channeling. Oh. Yeah. Just to get a more accurate perspective, I don't really understand. Um, you're saying you're not at one with God. I'm saying that my condition of injuries prevent me from expressing my love completely, which is the same condition as not being at one with God. But you're saying realistically that people in this room can achieve it before you do? Uh, realistically, all of you could achieve it before I do. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Well, I, I've, got, I've had like 2,000 years of all these memories piped down through some pretty severe emotional injuries mm -hmm. that I'm now having to work through and I have been working through for 12 years. Right? But that's not going to take you 12 years. But the first person to do anything takes a long time. Right? <laughs> it's normally the case. Right? Roger Bannister. Now, in my, in my case, I'm the first person to experience reincarnation to get, in, to get back into that condition. Right? So I'll be the first person to do that. But you can be the first person from your first, from a condition of sin and error to reach a one with God. But why now would you want to be the first person anyway? Who cares about that? In the end, all we can read about is feel our emotions, connect with God, do it all sincerely, and you'll, you'll get there quite rapidly. Right. So what I'm saying is all this is very possible for you. It's not, I'm not presenting a utopian dream here, although many people think I am. Right? I'm presenting reality, and, and, and if you don't believe it in the end, I'm hoping that in the end I'll get to the point where I can prove it to you. <laughs> right? But in the end, you could choose to decide to do it all now, if you wanted to. Because in the end, I'm just encouraging you to be real. Hey Jen, I thought you um, said at the other lecture that you took on the emotions of your parents in this lifetime to experience what it's like to go through this heavy, heavy emotions so yeah. that you can understand us. Yeah. But what I'm hearing you say now is that are they, are, were emotions in you from the first century that were unresolved? No. no what, what, I, what, what I'm saying now is consistent with what I said then, and that is that all of the experiences of my 2,000 years of life have been piped through, the memories of them have been piped through my parents' emotions. What do you mean by piped Well, basically I'm experiencing now all of these experiences that I remember through the emotional injuries of my parents that I that I had in this life, and I'm having to resolve all them all emotionally. As those memories come to me, each one triggers new emotions in me and I've got to experience them and release them. So there were your injuries, you haven't just taken this on for the exercise of it? Oh, no, no. <laughs> but, but they're not my injuries from 2,000 years, because I didn't have any. 
They are the injuries, they are all of my memories piped through the emotions of my parents this time. So you now experience them emotionally? Yeah, so I'll give you an example. In the first century, um, when I was like 20, um, I had an experience where a woman tried to have sex with me and, and I rejected her. She went home and told her father and her brothers and they beat me nearly to death. That was one of my experiences from the first century. Now at the time, it didn't affect me very much at all emotionally. It affected me a lot physically and it took me five years physically to recover from it. But emotionally, it didn't affect me very much at all. Right? But what's happened is, my father has some deep mistrust of women emotions. Right? Your current father. My current father. So when I incarnate now into this life, I'm absorbing all this mistrust of women emotions. And guess what comes up? This memory pops up of this woman who... <coughs> who basically lied about what had happened. Is that because you didn't deal with it back then? Or? No, no, no. It's just the memory being passed through the emotional filter of my father this life. And so now, the feeling that I have about that event is that I can't trust women. Does that make sense? And I had to release that emotion. I, I, I had a feeling in my heart that women were liars. Right? And, and when a woman lies, you can die from it. <laughs> That's the feeling I had that I had to deal with, right? and so you know any woman who lied, I just like, I, and of course I attract women who lied, <laughs> which is my attraction, right? Um, so yeah, I attracted quite a number of women into my life, including my own mother, who, who who would lie, you know, to protect themselves, but often cause damage to others. So so. What often happens is that, and this is what happens at reincarnation, is all of these emotional, these memories, which are not emotions in that 2,000 year experience, become emotions through the filter of the emotional injuries that you get on reincarnation. So is that just helping you to gain more experience and process Well, I could have chosen a parent who's close to having no emotional injuries. Yeah. I could have, yes. So I could have actually gone into India somewhere and chosen a third sphere. Like, there are some spirit people on earth who are in, and, and some women and men who are married who are in a third sphere-like condition right now. And I could have chose them, which meant I wouldn't have to deal with hardly any of these emotions that I have. But I actually purposefully chose the two parents that I chose so that I could go through those emotional experiences. Sorry, but weren't you saying before that it's the parents who choose the child? No, but on reincarnation, it's totally different. Oh, that's the reverse. Yeah, you can do anything you want on reincarnation. Oh. <laughs> so on the first incarnation, understand the first incarnation, you, your you parents choose you, right? Because you were totally unconscious of the choice, hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But the moment of individualisation, oh. you are now conscious, and now you have free will to do anything you like. And when you reach a 22nd sphere state, you are now fully conscious. You can choose your parents. You can choose who you're going to <coughs> You can even choose, oh, that parent's got that quality, that parent's got that quality, and I can work through the genetic issues of that, and I can actually choose somebody who makes me look a certain way. That I, you know, I can choose all of that. Did you do that? Yeah. You know, you've got a bit of Jesus looking qualities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't look as good as I did that. <laughs> 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 I don't reckon you're the only person that's ever reincarnated. I know you don't. Like, it's okay. Lots of people are, so I'm not the only person. There's 14 of you. There must be more than that. 
Yeah, but we've talked about that in previous groups, and that and that is the impression of spirits upon them that are around them that they're actually feeling. And the other thing too is like I've got knowledge and memories from just totally different experiences that have got nothing to do with being here. So how would I get that from spirits who are giving you? Sorry. Well, that's what you want to believe. Yeah. I, like I can even remember it so clearly. Like I remember my baby dying when I was in New Zealand and floating off down a river. Yep. Like someone burning like this forest behind me and stuff. And it's like I was so there. Exactly. Like, I wasn't another spirit. Can I, can I tell you what? Like the spirit's here with us right now if you want to know. If you okay. talk about it. Yeah. Like the, the issue is she, she, she has a lot of painful experiences from her, from her life. Yeah. And she's hanging around you because she feels quite strongly that you and her are very, very similar to each other personality-wise, right? Mm -hmm. And so what, what actually is happening is she's feeling a strong feeling of camaraderie with you. But she also is, one of the reasons why she's giving you these pictures is she wants your friendship. She wants you to feel what she felt. You so follow she me? can clear it? Not just so she can clear it. At the yeah. moment, her viewpoint is that it all hurt her too much. But she wants you to commiserate at the moment with her life. Do you follow me? Yeah. So at the moment, her desire is not to actually feel the emotions she felt at the time, but more for you and her to sort of get together and be friends. Okay. And commiserate with each other yeah. about some of the childhood emotional experiences. Right? And in her so case... is that healthy or not really? Yeah, very healthy. Because what it does is it triggers your emotions. So when she gave you those pictures, what did you do? Oh, I just felt grief. And yeah, and so this is your unresolved grief being triggered by her giving you those pictures. You okay. follow me? Yeah. And the key for you now is just to allow yourself to experience that grief and show her how she can experience her grief. Yeah. Because what's locking her up at the moment is she's got all this grief inside of her that she's really strongly... She's actually now wanting to talk to me. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just describing her emotions. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's got all this grief inside of her that she is trying to experience, like that she's that she doesn't know how to deal with it yeah. from her earth existence, and it's actually locking her up in her current location in the spirit world. You follow yeah. me? Yeah. And what she does, what and this happens to you all the time. You'll get you'll get spirits around you. Oh, I like you. <laughs> you know, you've got certain feelings and emotions that I've got, and so forth. And I feel like we can be friends and all those kind of things. And they're just trying to resolve their emotional issues, just like you are. And when you attract them, it's a very good thing. Because there's things you need to feel in that attraction as well as themselves. The key is to go into the emotion of it. Right? Yeah. So she's had a very hard... She had a very hard life, obviously. Right? And she feels a lot of grief that she's unwilling to... It's locked in her. Locked yeah. in her. I'm saying here because it's across... She can actually look at it and see that it's across her chest area. And, and it's locked in her, and she's not willing to cry about it. She's sort of a, mix, a mixture of angry and tears about it at the moment. Yeah. And you can probably feel what I'm saying now, because yeah. you are quite mediumistic, actually. Mm -hmm. And what, one of the things that's preventing your mediumistic skills is this belief that these are past lives. Okay. Yeah. If you can see everything, everything that's being presented to you as a spirit who's come to talk with you, you'll find that you'll be able to have conversations with them okay, and, and, actually, yeah. and actually help you and them work through their emotional issues. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Okay, so I've entered into the divine truth, and this is real, and I've come to the realisation that I've perpetuated um, 
Just call them lies. Pain. Pain. No, the yep. first pain. Go on. That's gone... To others. Yeah, lots of others. Yep. How, in that truth, you realise the pain that you've perpetuated mm -hmm. on the first person that's gone. What? What? You're in truth. You feel the love. <coughs> you know you've done the wrong thing. How do you fix it? Well, this is another conversation, a topic altogether by itself that I spend the whole day on. And it's the issue of divine, the laws of repentance and forgiveness. Now, all of you have heard of God's grace. Yeah? God's grace is God's mercy. Basically, you can think of it as the quality of mercy. What the quality of mercy is, is this desire that God has to demonstrate mercy or to basically rub away if you like, or take away from you the causes of what you have done or caused other people with pain, right? God wants to do that for you. But God can only do that for you when you are in a state of being repentant for that. Do you follow me? Mm -hmm. There's this law that requires repentance. And the reason why it requires repentance is that if there's another law called the law of compensation or the law of karma, if a person is not repentant, then the law of karma is what clears them away of the error. In other words, they sow what they reap. Oh, sorry. They reap what they sow. <laughs> right? and, and so what we need to do is firstly learn that every time that we are not repentant, in other words, every time we get out of the emotion that we're feeling about the things that we've done, and we go into the head about the things we've done, and we justify the things we've done, then the law of attraction and the law of compensation is going to clean us up. <laughs> it'll refine us, shall I call it that. When I say clean it up, like wash you clean, it'll refine you. But you don't need to do that long-winded process. It's a long-winded process. You can do the shorter process where you actually f allow yourself to completely feel the emotions of sorrow about what you've done. And when you direct those feelings towards God, God's love comes and enters you and, and rubs away, if you like, the causes within you that created your desire to do those things. Does that make sense? So it's like a cleansing. It's like a cleansing yeah. process. Now, real forgiveness. And it's, yeah, God, God's always forgiving. So don't feel that God doesn't forgive you. God forgives you whether you're repentant or not. Do you understand that? And in fact, God actually requires that you forgive others if they are repentant or not. But that is a different aspect than mercy. Right? Mercy is a totally different situation. So what I've given you is a brief summary of that entire discussion. Yeah? You want to... oh, I just wanted to add that I've actually experienced um, that feeling of... It was like when I... Um, after being repentant, God put his hand in my hurt and took it all away. Yeah. Yeah. But it required a real deep feeling of sorrow on your behalf, didn't it? And an understanding of the pain that was caused. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Adrian, just as you're talking about with our kids, you know, I realise the things I've done with my children, you know, some primary things, like you know, I was yeah. really rejected in my family, I was the black sheep, the scapegoat. Yeah. And my oldest daughter, I've done that to her. Mm -hmm. And in my emotions, I, I can't understand why I can't really love her, why, 
mean, I do, but in a way, I reject her and think she's not as good as my other daughter. Right, so the causal emotion is in fact an emotion inside of yourself of shame about the quality that you have inside of yourself that she actually mirrors. Yeah. Right. So what you're actually doing, the reason why you can't connect with her is that you're not allowing this connection with yourself. There's a feeling inside of you, and you, I think you pretty much know what it might be about how you define yourself, that you, she finds, you find that she mirrors, right? and you can't allow the connection to your own feeling. And that's what's causing the blockage between you and the daughter. But I feel deeply sorry that I've done that. No, you don't. I don't. No. The reason why you don't feel deeply sorry is because you're unwilling to feel the emotion of unworthiness. In myself. The actual emotion. In myself. See, when you're willing to feel the actual emotion, then you will be sorry. Oh. And that at that moment it can be cleared. Do you follow me? Yeah. Right? See, a lot of times we think we're sorry, but we're not willing to feel the emotion connected to the truth of the sorrow. I feel sad about it or something. I agree, you feel sad about the effects. Yes, I feel deeply sad. But you're not addressing the cause. So it's just really look at the unworthiness that I feel and the shame. What, yeah, she is mirroring something to you that you hate within yourself. And you're going to need to come to love that within yourself. And when you do that emotionally, that is the time you're repentant. And when you're repentant, the causes will be removed, mm -hmm. and ironically, your daughter will change as well. Yeah, I know that. I know she's almost changed when I've changed sometimes, and I think Always. nothing that happen. Yeah. And that's another discussion in itself as well about children. <laughs> but she's so connected with me on some level. Yeah. She's just crying out for my life. Yeah. yeah. So the discussion of, uh, actually, I haven't chosen next week's discussion in Brisbane yet, so I might make it that way. Anyway. <laughs> Because I, I, so I find it a real fascinating subject. Um, it's, one of, it's one of the laws of divine love, repentance and forgiveness. And uh, so we're talking about God's grace and mercy, in other words. And, and it's a beautiful law, actually, that God's created, that actually allows you to bypass, if you like, the law of what you sow, you reap. Right? It actually allows you to bypass that by, by, by firstly, you need to connect emotionally to the cause of what's going on inside of you. And it's a beautiful law that God has created that's a part of God's mercy. Yeah. So God has this way in which you know, he, he can remove these deep emotional injuries but only when you are fully feeling them. And that's what repentance is all about, fully experiencing and feeling those emotions. Yeah. But we're off the topic. So let's... Uh, actually, we're almost finished actually too. So I'm not going to cover all the topics. The last one I'd like to talk about a bit though before we go. Divine truth is felt, it is emotional. We can intellectualise all day about truth. We can talk about it till the cows come home, right? But unless you start feeling it, until that time occurs, it's all just going to be an, a pointless, in a way, intellectual exercise. Right? Now, unless you're prepared to actually start acting upon and feeling in your heart the emotions of truth and what they confront, then really the, the whole point of this discussion is lost. You follow me? The truth is felt emotionally just like error is felt emotionally. So you know when an error leaves you, many of you have already had this experience, when the error leaves you, 
You had up overwhelmed emotionally, aren't you? And it's a terrible emotion, like it feels painful, right? Well, when the truth enters you, it's often an overwhelming emotion, but it's not painful. It's actually pleasurable. You know, when you cry for joy, that kind of a pleasurable emotion. Right? The truth will enter you emotionally and the error will leave you emotionally. If the truth hasn't entered you emotionally, you will not change. Right? So let me say something like this, just a simple illustration. When you feel the truth emotionally, that every action you take towards an animal has an effect on how the animals treat you and how the animals react with you. When you understand that truth emotionally, you will change the way you eat. Right? Mm -hmm. You will no longer be able to eat meat. I can guarantee you, it will just be an automatic change in you. Now, until that time, it's really pointless in a way. In a lot of ways, it's pointless to intellectually change. But you can do that to trigger the emotion. So, for instance, if you gave up eating meat right now, knowing that down the track you'll give it up anyway, it'll bring up emotions. You know what bring up emotions of I'm, every meal I eat, I don't feel full. Every meal I eat, I don't feel that nice, comfortable, full feeling, you know, that comes when I eat some meat, right? I feel like something's missing. Right? And it will start bringing up the emotions as to why you eat meat. Right? Which are all emotional reasons, actually. Right? But, so you could choose to do that. Or you could choose to contemplate God's truth about animals. Contemplate the truth about how we're treating them. Contemplate the truth. Would you actually get right now, if we went outside, would you get a sheep and actually slit its throat and bleed it? and then cut it up and cook it right now. Would you do that? So why are you asking another person to do it? For you. Why are you doing that? Do you think that's fair? Really? Is it fair? Is it, is it an honest thing to do? Now if you start... It describes the truth a bit more. Sorry? Yeah, it describes the truth a bit more. That's why you do it. But the truth, the truth is that once you start feeling that, when you feel that in your heart, you won't be able to eat another piece of meat again, when you feel that. And if you're not feeling it, then you've got to ask the question of what emotion inside of you causes you to not feel that. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not saying that all of you have to give up eating meat, am I? What I'm saying is, once you become in harmony with God's truth at the point of abundance, you will not be eating meat, I can guarantee you, because you will not be able to. You will not be able to feel love for animals and at the same time kill them or ask other people to kill them for you. Yeah, AJ, I actually went through this process last year intellectually, yep. not to eat meat, and I found that it was okay for a while, but then I eventually went back, back to, to meat. Here we can go, you said, um, yeah, the, the, do it for the, yeah, for the love of the animal, and that, that was it, I was just, oh, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. And I was away for work and a bit of a function. They had... You know, they was a meat like they do? Well, they, they did. And I had, had a little bit, a few prawns actually. Yeah. And as I, I actually looked at each prawn, oh. and I, I did eat a couple, but I felt really, really guilty about it. Yeah. And from then I was... You can't do it now. Yeah. yeah. The feeling of pain. Because it's that emotional... Yeah. See, when you get into a state of truth, what will happen is every time you're out of that state, you'll feel pain. 
Uh, and the truth is, you're actually feeling pain right now when you're out of state of truth, but you're just not sensitive to it. <laughs> you just become more sensitive to it as your soul opens. Yeah. AJ, how does this uh, affect me then? What, what action can I take? I run a small property with cows which are used for breeding velas. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it's just the natural state of the cycle of the business that you send the velas off to the beef to market. The beef market. And I'm not going to tell you what to do. Mm. It's because you need to allow yourself, but you need to allow yourself to feel your emotions. See, at the moment you're willing to you're willing to actually go through this process for a financial reason. Yeah, sort of. Well, it is for a financial reason. Because why else would you be doing? I will be. Yeah. See, there's an emotion tied in there. Well, I've always had a very big emotional contact with my cows. Anyway, I bore my head off when I got apart with. Yeah. The old ones, and I've foolishly given names to instead of numbers and all this no, sort of thing. No, you haven't been foolish. No, well, I don't no, think so. I really <laughs> have a, a liaison with my yeah. animals, and yeah. I love, I can't bear anybody to come and So how in your heart treat do you justify them roughly? I don't other? know. I've just put up with that for years. So there's something going on emotionally. In yeah, it is. It's always that? upset me a lot. So let yourself feel that emotion now, and then you will know what to do. So I'm not telling... Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to tell you what to do. What I'm saying is, feel your emotion. You will know what to do. If you really feel your emotion. If you sit down and look at how they made Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? on the net there is a site dedicated to that entire subject. right? And if you looked at it sincerely, you would never be able to eat a chicken again. Mm. What's it called? Oh, I can't remember the site. Did you Google it? And yeah. I actually did that when I was living in New Zealand. My daughter brought home a book about how they killed the chickens. Yep. Your product. And I made myself read this book, and I was so upset, and I, I remember I had to go and pick the kids up somewhere. I was bawling my eyes out in the car, and yeah. I, I really felt a really deep... But I've got my hair gone back. Well, so, so you haven't released the... But I really felt at the time, I was like... I, yeah, I obviously haven't, but... Yeah. You haven't? There's two things we need to do when we're accepting truth, remember. We need to release the error. So what's the error? The error is all the grief that I feel about guilt and whatever that I've done all that in the past. There's the error. I also need to accept the truth. What's the truth? Right? And see, a lot of times if your conduct doesn't change, you're not doing one of those two things. You're either not releasing the error or you're yet to accept the divine truth. One of the two is happening still. Yeah? So what I need to do is ask myself, all right, you know, I went through all of that terrible emotional experience, but now I've gone back to doing it. So there must be more emotion in there for me, or something that I'm not, not accepting from God that enters me yet, that caused me to redo that. Now, by the way, I brought up this subject of meat, not to discuss the subject of meat, but to actually focus on, focus you on how the truth will affect your life emotionally. When you realise things emotionally, you will change, and you will change permanently. You won't ever be able to go back. And when you try to go back even, because you get resentful sometimes, or you feel, you know, the feeling of rebellion that pops up occasionally, right? And you try to go back, you'll find it so painful that you can't do it again. That's how it works. I want to share a story. You know my unit that I haven't rented yet? Yeah. I know we had a woman rent it. But when I met with her to sign the paperwork, she had to get a bottom loan, and I noticed that her husband, her partner's name wasn't on the thing. And she said, no, that's because I'm not telling the government that 
he's living with me because I'm on a pension mm. and I'll lose too much of the pension. I went, well, that's her lie. I'm not having to do with that. So yeah. I up. And I drove away and I got halfway home mm. and I just started feeling sick. Yeah. And I got all this tension and I phoned her up again and said, look, we have to talk again. And I had to, I could have just signed her up for six months and got a whole heap of rent. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah. So I had to just say, look, I can't do it. I, yeah. just, I just can't do it. I said, you're not going to like what I'm going to say. No, I just can't do it. Yeah. And so what you were doing as you were going through that emotion, what emotion was being triggered was this willingness to prostitute your truth yeah, for, for the sake of money. Yeah. And, and honestly, this is what we do a lot, right? if we're honest with ourselves. We actually prostitute ourselves a lot, you know. And, and I feel very, like I feel a lot of uh, feelings towards pe people who are prostitutes because they are condemned for their actions. And yet the majority of us in our life are doing it constantly every day and nobody makes a comment. Right? They're just being open about it. Right? They're selling themselves for money. We sell ourselves for money all the time and everybody thinks it's normal. Right? There's a lot of condemnation there, isn't there? It's funny that the same week I find the um, DVD called Whore yeah. from the video shop, which is basically... Um, Interesting law of attraction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, interviews of uh, prostitutes. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so the whole attitude of prostituting yourself is actually one that's deeply embedded in society. And it's all to do with our unwillingness to face the truth and our willingness to use money as our God, guiding all of our other actions. Right? Or our willingness to have friendship with our God, guiding all of our other actions, or whatever the emotion is that we're trying to prevent ourselves from feeling. Just on that word prostitute, AJ, do you know what the original meaning of the word was? No. A woman who has come into her own power. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. It's only the church in about the 4th century AD who converted it to, to a... Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So you were preparing a meal and couldn't cut, couldn't cut it up. And now I'm starting to find this, this sort of sickly smell feeling. It's like I don't know how else to cook, so it's easier to go with the flow of these meals that I know. So listen to your soul. See, oftentimes what we're doing is not listening to our soul at all. Right? Your soul knows a lot of divine truth. You just don't accept it. That's all. And, and your soul is telling you almost on a daily basis a lot of times, like, how many of you like the smell of meat? Not cooked meat, I mean raw meat. How many of you like the smell? Like, your soul is telling you already, right? How many of you would like to cut uh, a chook's head off? You, you know, feel the emotion. Would you, would you really like that? Do you, you like something you would enjoy? Um, so why are you doing it or getting other people to do it? Sometimes it's just the fear of change. Yeah, you know, doing something, stepping outside, you will swear and... But honestly, all of us, like, one of the things I said about truth is it's going to require change of you constantly. So if you're fearing change, that's an emotion. Deal with that emotion. You're going to change. Whether you like it or not, actually. <laughs> the truth is you're going to change, right? A lot, a lot of people, like, I'm a builder and, that, and um, a lot of people think that you, you need me to, you know, be able to work heavy yeah. and all that. Yep. But, um... Angel and I gave up meat 18 months ago, yep. and and I've never bothered in the work or yeah. You know, and I'm just as um, 
good, well, probably better now. Yeah. And they say, oh, what are you going to do for protein and all that? But you can survive quite well. And all the vegetarian meals are much more tasty than that. Yeah, once you know how to cook, it's a lovely. When Angel and I go to a restaurant and stuff like that, you can just smell fish or meat or whatever come out. We hardly even go there anymore. Some good restaurants down at Malolabar, by the way, vegetarian. <laughs> Raw energy is really good, I enjoy it there. And, and uh, last night we were at the Walk on the Wild Side. And, and, uh, and Ban is a yummy meal, right? Yummy meal. Some good vegetarians. Oh, it's behind, how would you describe it? It's like, you know the Esplanade? You come in, you know, from the main highway. Yeah, on the Brisbane Road, get to the Esplanade. If you go around that way, around the first building, right around on the side is Walk on the Old Side. Right? Yeah. Second corner. Yeah. <laughs> giving you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, feel funny giving you food advice. Matt, we have to finish really. It's quarter to six. Uh, AJ, can I just mention? And no, I've just got to mention some things. Um, yesterday I mentioned that we'll be doing some intensive, more intensive uh, sort of help for people who really want to connect with their emotions. And we have chosen a weekend, a weekend where it will be single days only, so there will be a different group Saturday and a different group Sunday. And, and it will be uh, Saturday, I think it's the 20th of September, and Sunday the 21st of September. And it will be at Carol's lovely location. But I want to come up and visit the location and just make sure of things first, so I'll give out more details. So I was hoping to catch up with you Friday next and, and just... Um, and just have a chat with you and what I want to do is if you could put your name I think you've got a list there where you put your name down for it and I had a request that you fully choosing your emotions before you come and fully choosing or being aware of wanting to live in truth right so if you're finding a resistance to truth then perhaps it's not a wise thing at this moment to come now um, what I would like to do, though, is have a group meeting with all the ones who put their names down, right? because I want to feel whether you're fully choosing truth or not. Which will save any embarrassments about people leaving during the course, because I feel they're not in truth, right? and not wanting to be. So um, I'll have to just uh, organise a time when we can all get together, but that, we can do all of this and organise all this through emails over the coming month. And it will be focused on helping you connect with your emotional baggage and experiencing it. And what we will be doing, and just a general sort of feeling about it, is that we'll be having group discussions and group activities, but every time a person gets into their emotion, we will probably be separating a person dealing with their emotion so that they can fully deal with that emotion there and then. Right? So we don't want anybody putting off their emotions till later. We're going to just immerse ourselves in the emotions. So if you're not prepared to do that, don't put your name down. All right? Now, if you are prepared to do that, put your name down and I'll, I'll meet. We will organise a group and there will be other details come out from that. Um, it will probably start at 10 a.m. each morning, go to about 5 in the afternoon each day uh, on those two days. So that's the general details of that. Was there anything else you wanted to add, Peter? Was really oh, I wanted to mention that um, one of Adam's, my son Adam's friends uh, has spent the last one and a half years making an incredible DVD 
along the lines of what you were talking about. And he, it's, called, it's kind of like along the lines of the secret in terms of quality, yeah. but it's all about um, the choices that people make about their health and eating. It's called Food Matters. If they have a look at the website, uh, it's called foodmatters.tv. And I, I promised I'd mention it to the group because it, it really is uh, an outstanding piece of work. And everyone, everyone, I think, would really benefit from And you can watch it on, online or you can order the, the DVDs um, through myself or off the, off the net. And it's, you know, it's very, very good and, and uh, it addresses the, the whole sickness and health industry and, and the importance of uh, choosing wisely the food you eat. Yeah. Can I just say, though, that many of you will want to resolve your physical uh, illnesses and, and so forth with physical solutions. Many of you still want to do that. Um, I'm saying to you, and I've been saying to you consistently now for the whole time we've known each other, that all of your physical problems are a result of emotional injuries, right? including the choices you make in your food. It's all based on emotional injuries too. Many of you women will know, every time period comes along, right? Where does chocolate go? Yeah. No. no, I skip the chocolate. I go to beer and Smirnoff. Oh, okay. No so there's, there's emotions attached, right? There's emotions attached to all of those experiences. So, so if you can always keep reminding yourself that, sure, you can change your life physically, but if you never address the emotions, the underlying cause will never be addressed. Alright? So... If the, if the underlying cause is never addressed, then the problem will never permanently disappear. Right. I just want to add to that whole subject because my experience is coming at from the reverse of what probably what most people are experiencing. Um, I've already, for about 23 years, I went through being vegetarian and vegan for most of that time. Yeah. Uh, I'm noticing a lot of emotion, <laughs> and um, it was uh, about seven or eight years ago that um, a lot of changes physically to where I felt my health was going down, yeah. and through, and it was mostly intellectual and reasoning and yeah. looking at all the evidence and all that, so I started um, eating more protein, uh, like raw, raw dairy and yeah. raw eggs and things like that yeah. that were organic and all that. Yeah. And um, I noticed a lot of positive changes, Thanks, you know. Yeah. But, um, and you're introducing the whole idea of the emotional cause, because I'm always going for a physical, rational um, explanation yeah. for illnesses or disharmony. Yeah. So, um, and the questions that I've, ha I've felt, I haven't had attraction to eating um, meat. Um, intellectually, I would go, okay, well, if it was ethically raised, um, you know, in a loving environment, um, and that it, it always came down to, well, am I willing to take that animal's life yeah. and consume it? And yeah. I thought, well, until, uh, and then I'd, I'd look at, cultures where that was part of their day-to-day -day living. Yeah. I thought, well, if I was brought up in that environment, then it would, it would be just 
yeah. you know, part of the day-to-day -day life, and yeah. there wouldn't be any problem with it. Yeah. So there's some some issues there that I'm looked to at, um, yeah. and coming back to that question of what do I feel in my heart, and um, uh, I there, there's a there's questions, so there's a lot lot to to resolve, but it's coming from the from the different yeah. from from the vegan vegetarian point of view coming back to eating. Some of you have actually eaten vegan vegetarian just on this subject and actually found your health deteriorate. Yeah. Agreed? Yeah. The reason why is because you did not deal with the emotions as to what was creating your health deterioration. Mm -hmm. right? That's the whole reason why. Do I, do I look pretty healthy? Yeah. 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 So, Actually, what's wrong with eating eggs and milk? That's not hurting the animal, is it? Well, I suppose it depends on the situation. But if they're ethically grown, like if, they're, if they're not fertile anyway, so they're not going to develop into chicks. You know, it's very hard. To, it's very hard. These questions are for you to resolve, right? Because you need to let yourself feel your emotions. But you'll get to a stage. I know. You'll get to what stages you'll get to in your progression, where what and what you will do. But only when you feel your emotions. What I'm encouraging you to do is to feel your emotions. And let that guide your decisions right now. And if it and if it guides them in error, you'll get more pain. If it guides them in truth, you'll get you become more like your whole body will, will right itself. I've got to stop everybody's questions. I just want to ask you. Where no, you are. no, I've got no, I've got to stop everyone's questions. It's quarter to twenty ten to six, and and I want to stop. But I know you've all got questions, and I could keep answering them. Also, I want to this afternoon not answer your questions afterwards. All right. The, way, the reason why I'm feeling this at the moment is because I've already just given you five hours straight of my time and, and, and that's my love for you and I realise many of you could keep asking and keep asking have all these personal things but go back to the basic truths that we've been learning. Truth, love, emotion. Go back to that and you will be able to answer almost every one of your own questions. So go back to that.